And a happy Friday to you. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark, Griffin Bass, and back with us in studio this morning, Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox. Stan the Fan Charles, good to see you, sir. Oh, we need Stan. To, we, we, we do need Good to, to see him. you, Glenn, and good to see Griffin. I, uh, I, uh, I've seen you I, wear uh, that sushi shirt. Yeah. This is, is it your lucky, I feel like you've described this shirt to me before. Was it a lucky shirt? Was it? A, was there a story behind that shirt? No, there was just, it was a gift from my sister-in-law. That's all there is and to it. And my wife loves sushi. Well, I mean, it and isn't. it's very comfortable. You, you a know, sushi? Even when, I, even when I weighed 243, yeah. it still fit, you know? And now I weigh like 220, it still fits. Oh, look at that. Are you a sushi fan? Uh, not so much. You see, that's weird. That's yeah. weird that yeah. you, you a man but, who doesn't enjoy sushi. But I don't with, really see the shirt. That's that true much, too. That's a know? fair point. That is a fair. I'm point. I'm busy looking at the girls. Well, it's good to see. You. Um, I don't know who's who's. Is that your phone? Whose phone yes, is, that? is that? That's Stan's phone. That that's going off. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's Jane texting. Uh, the minute the show goes on, it's yeah. the way it normally works. That's the way it normally works. All right, uh, coming up in a bit, Gabe Lax from USA Today, MLB writer. He was in town this week and shared some thoughts about the Orioles, and we'll talk to him about that, the deadline, and um, everything Orioles-related. Uh, also this morning, our friend, I call her Saint Sanzi Gabba, um, got to spend a good bit of the day with her yesterday, and we will talk about that because what a day it was. Um, she will join us as well and uh, share her thoughts on what was a special day at the ballpark. Stan, I, I I was sitting next to Pete Gilbert yesterday, and we were having a really good talk about the Ravens' upcoming season and everything. And then when the play happens, I don't know how people that are 10, 15, 20 years younger than me, they're instantly on Twitter. And I had my tweet deck up, but I wasn't like, I wonder who's saying what. But Pete goes, Glenn Clark just – this is after Trey Mancini's uh, game-winning – well, game icing. Game, uh, game yeah. icing inside the park home run that was purely magic. It really was. Glenn Clark tweeted out, thanks, Mo. And then I went and looked – I just wanted to actually see the tweet – so I hit on how many tweets you've done. You've done a hundred and one thousand. Most of them are three hundred and seven. Right. Most of them are probably terrible in a way. <laughs> right. So I said of Glenn Clark's three hundred, a hundred and one thousand three hundred and seventy seventh. This may be his best tweet ever. Um, it was uh, saying I've not spent as many days at the ballpark as you have, um, but I spent a lot of days at the ballpark and nights at the ballpark in my life, and I've been there for some you know major moments, and I don't know that. You know, in 20 years, I'll remember it more fondly than the Delman Young game or, you know, the the first playoff game against the Yankees meant a lot to me because I was there with my dad and I never knew if I was going to be able to go to a playoff game with my father. I, I sort of made peace the idea that I maybe, maybe never would. Um, but I'm, you know, I won't forget that for a very long time. My day was I, – I watched very little of the baseball game. Um, spent the day with the not just Sanzi but the entire group of um, – what we've uh, we've termed the family um, people, some of Mo's teachers and caretakers, and um, some fo- Damon Amendolara from CBS Sports, yep. who's been so close with Mo and has you know gone out of his way to try to give a national audience more of the story of Mo. Um, a lot of his listeners that uh, were hanging out with us, and then uh, Alex Woodward from uh, who used to be at 105.7 was the Jer- Scott and Jeremy's producer. He came up from Mississippi. To be a part of this uh, yesterday, which Incredible. was really neat. Spent some time with him, and 
um, you know, just a lot of, of talking and sharing and, and all that and less kind of focus on the baseball game. You know, I thought the Orioles did a really nice job. It, it's, you, know? you know, it's a real shame about – I don't mean to harp on them. And they know they need to fix the sound system at the ballpark. It's right. one of their priorities with this money that's coming. Yeah. Um, here's the fixed sound system at the ballpark because, to your point, Stan, yes, that they kept throughout the day going back more videos, more reflections, more. I thought it was wonderful. Um, all they did to say it's not just going to be a pregame ceremony. We're really going to make this Mo Gabba day. Right. Um, and I was told later that the broadcast incorporated a lot of that as well. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really watch and didn't watch any of the broadcasts right. yesterday, but I was told afterwards that. They were doing a lot of that, coming back during innings and sharing some of the same clips and videos of Mo and that's great that they made it great. Mo Gabba Day as well. Um, I, you know, well, it's a it's a you know he was a rare bird indeed, uh, Mo Gabba, and he loved him some Ravens and he loved them some Orioles. They gave him a lot of joy in his life, and he ended up giving a lot of joy to a lot of people. And it's really a unique. You know, they can't have them. There's probably somebody that's gone through a similar thing in Philadelphia or Minnesota, and they could latch on to that. But it's really special, and uh, I think the Orioles did a really nice job. Stan, I, you know, I said before, when uh, Bill Ordine wrote our – I talked about this yesterday. When he wrote our cover story about Moe's Sports Person of the Year, I thought the the story from Eric DaCosta, frankly, was a bit bombastic. And I, I said that. I was like, this is way over the top. <laughs> The idea that Eric DaCosta is suggesting that Mo Gabba proves the existence of God or something like that. What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I, I was uncomfortable with it. And then I've said before, because Eric talked about specifically right. holding Mo's hand yep. and what that meant. And I had met Mo and talked to Mo, but I'd never held his hand. And then we had our event um, a couple weeks later at, uh, at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Right. And, you know, as we were sitting there, he grabbed my hand and he held it and you know, for those that have, he holds on like, and it's his way of connecting. It's that, that was his way of connecting with you was holding your hand. And I felt something and I'm not a very religious man. I'm not, I don't know how to define it. And I, the word I use is different because it's just the easiest. I can't tell you that Mo Gabba was an angel. I can't you right. know say those things, but I know that I felt something different than I've ever felt in a human interaction with anyone. And I wrote, um, that it's the closest that I've felt to experiencing something like God. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as as insane as that sounds, it makes things like what happened yesterday, you just sort of shake your head and say, look, man, I, I don't know. And it is absurd for me to think that if there is a creator of the universe that that person cares so badly about some <laughs> Orioles game on a Thursday afternoon, right? Like, it's it's patently absurd to believe that, but yet I can't tell you I don't. Right. I can't tell you that I don't believe that something wasn't somehow afoot. When you see something like that occur yesterday, I, I, you just can't help it. You cannot, and I try to be as practical and pragmatic and not just be over the top. And You know, we could sit here and criticize Josh Lau, you know, yeah, I mean, but, was- but I think... I think it was out of his hand. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he... I mean, what are the odds of that? It was like out of a movie, how he was back there, and it wasn't sunny, but it was, at that particular time, that's the other amazing thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like two minutes after Trey's home run, it's like, all right, cue the, cue the lights, <laughs> and the sun came out, but 
there he is. It's like staggering under it, and it actually hit him his on the face, head. face, yeah. Yeah, or his face, yeah. and bounded away. It was just absolutely unbelievable. And you pointed out something that I didn't really see, is that the throw, even though it was well, offline. It was, it was there. It was there. And, and the tag was just literally. Yeah, I didn't try and Pinto, Pinto went, like, dove, I guess thinking that he was behind on the play, he right. dove towards the plate, and his glove was just sitting behind the plate right. as Trey Mancini ran <laughs> right. the last three feet in. Right, right. Um, all of it was just so unbelievable and you know, it gives you goosebumps, and you'll think about it for forever. And I, you know, it, I, I I got messages from people. My buddy Sam Angel was one of them who messaged me afterwards. So like, I've been okay with the fact that they were going to trade Trey Mancini. Now they can't. I'm like, right. I, you're, they're not going to change their plans because of one magical moment that happened at a ballpark. That's not going to make anyone walk in and say. Well, man, he hit a fly ball to right field that should have been caught. We can't trade that guy. Well, if you ever saw the movie Miracle on 34th Street, yeah, sure. that's what this would feel like. Is it the okay. last the last <laughs> yeah, minutes right. they, Santa right. Claus is found. Like Michael Elias convinces himself that God is on the side of the <laughs> exactly. Orioles, so you can't trade Trey, Mon- exactly. Trey Mancini yeah. because you'd be pissing off the, <laughs> you know, the creator of the universe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I don't think that their decision is going to be impacted by the fact that he hit a fly ball to right field yesterday that should have been caught. Um, But it does, of course, speak to many of the factors that we've talked about in the discussion related to Trey Mancini and whether it really is worth it to make that move. A lot of people, you know, it's funny because I was talking to, I spent a good, I really, I had a really neat chat. I did not know Damon Amendolara, DA from right. CB. I did not know him at all. He came on the show earlier in the week. Right. And then he and I spent a good bit of time chatting yesterday. And, and he actually came down from New York. Drove down, did his show for Mix 106 yesterday. Um, so That's he could really be here. very special. Uh, it, it's wonderful. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely. But I didn't know how much Mo meant to Damon. Yeah. Um, the, the Mo was a, a late night caller to Damon's old show uh, before he got moved to mornings on CBS. And they developed a wonderful relationship over the years. Um, But so I'm talking to him and he did not, and this is the part of the thing that we forget about to us. The Trey Mancini topic is the biggest topic there is, right? Right. The rest of the country could care less. about. He's just a guy, right? Like he's a likable guy. If you remember the story of him beating cancer, but he's not a significant player anywhere else, which speaks to why it is that I've continuously said, look, you cannot get all that much for Trey Mancini. People just don't value him as a player the way that we value him as a person. Right. Um, but he said, really? They're, they're thinking about trading Trey Mancini? Like, really? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. In fact, he could be on his way to New York where you are. Like, I'm going through that conversation. And, and you know, it, was, it wasn't incredulous but he was just so confused as to why the Orioles would move on from this guy. And I had to go through and run the gambit of the conversation yeah. about. And I said, like, for example, Griffin and I were sitting here chatting yesterday. And Griffin's like, hey, did you see the lineup for today? And I was like, yeah, I just saw everybody freaking out about the fact that both Cedric Mullins and Adley Rutschman are out of the lineup right, today. Right, right. And I said, as much as we scream about Trey Mancini... This is part of the conversation that they're having, which is where are the at-bats for Adley Rutschman if 
he's not catching. And obviously, he wasn't going to catch yesterday right. because it was a day game after a night game. He's right. not going to do that. There will not be a day, maybe with the season on the lining, like game 162. Game 162 is still on, uh, back to being on Sunday, right? Yeah, yes. They're back to doing yeah. that on Sunday afternoon. So maybe in that scenario, if they're a game out of a playoff spot or something like that, he would catch – I don't know, maybe – he would catch the day after a night, a night game, but he's not going to do that. That's never going to happen with Adley Rutschman. He will not be catching day games after night games. So if Trey Mancini's in the lineup, where are the at-bats coming from? Which is one of the things that when we freak out about the lineup that we saw yesterday, and a lot of people did, the reaction to the lineup yesterday was, what the hell is Brandon Hyde doing? How are you putting this lineup out there? are you trying to win or not? Right. Like there was a lot of that on social media when everybody saw the lineup. And my thought back is, look, I don't want them to trade Trey Mancini, but this is part of the conversation. If Trey Mancini is getting at bats, where are you? you are you going to stick Adley Rutschman in a corner outfield spot? Like where are the at bats coming for? And I, the answer would be, no, you put Trey Mancini in a corner outfield spot and then you'd have Adley Rutschman DH, but it's part of the equation as to what they're dealing with. I've said that's a problem you don't need to solve right now. I, I have maintained, I just don't think that you're getting enough for Trey Mancini to make it worth it, and I'll change if they get some great return for Trey Mancini. That so, I So here's the question I have with Trey Mancini, you know, and, and Gary Stein sort of hit me over the head with it last week when we were talking about it, uh, is they obviously ha have had a plan, mm -hmm. but when suddenly results way exceed what you were thinking you were going to do. And we can sit here and argue that Michael Elias knew what kind of team this this but, was but going they, into the season. I, I have been given multiple – I don't want to say I'm reporting this because I have been given multiple people inside the organization that have painted for me that they definitely – their their modus they they were not planning to be being contention and, for a wild and, card. And spot. somebody would say, "Well, why would that matter?" There is one specific thing, and I alluded to it yesterday in a conversation. The, the Brandon Hyde conversation that is to be had. Did they were not planning on this team winning to the point where you have to start talking about extending Brandon yeah, Hyde? They, yeah. That was not part of the plans for this organization. They've got to reconsider where they're going based on how they've... Exactly. They've so uh, sometimes events on the field, it's the same thing in a battlefield. Events change course. If uh, uh, Russia's coming at the right flank and you've got all your protection on the left yep. flank, you got to alter the, the plan. The, the question I have is what kind of... Rather than what could we get for Trey Mancini and worrying about where the at-bats will come from is what would, what would it cost to sign him if he's not worth that much in player return how much is he worth for a three-year contract I've, I've said this a lot Stan. yeah like the notion that there's going to be a robust market for Trey Mancini even yeah. in the offseason yeah I, I get there are more teams that could be involved in the offseason than there are at the deadline right right because there is a team that could be the Red Sox would not be likely looking to add parts at this point. Right. But in the offseason, they might be looking for one more bet. Yeah, they're going to lose J.D. Martinez, who makes, I think, $25 million. Right. And if they can sign Trey Mancini to a two-year $30 million contract or $26 million contract, they might be more Maybe. inclined to do that. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Nathan Ruiz and I were talking, and he was like, well, obviously you'd like to see Trey Mancini end up somewhere where he could play first base every day. And I just – who is that team – who is the team that's committing to Trey Mancini as an everyday first baseman? 
I, I well, it's interesting. You I don't do know mention, who that is. You, you mentioned Boston. They've got a tandem right now of Dahlback and Francisco Fran, Frankie Cordero that is not doing what Trey Mancini. And, and I don't know enough about Boston's system to yeah. know if they have some. I just they do. They actually do Tristan Castus. Uh, and I, my feeling is always first base is the spot. If you if you don't have Pete Alonso, if you don't have Jose Abreu, if you don't have you know your Jeff Bagwell type, someone who's such a masher that and is and by the way, in the case of Bagwell, he was an excellent defensive first baseman. Yes, Some of these was. guys were excellent defensive first yes, basemen. Um, if you, you know don't, who he was traded for, I don't. Oh, you're gonna uh, Larry I, Anders. Oh, that's right. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Oh God, what a player Jeff Bagwell. Was. <laughs> he was. Jesus, it's dude. a pretty good September. God, uh, August thirty first yeah, uh, acquisition. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but you know, if you don't have that guy, you protect first base for someone some that we have to have someone play somewhere to get their bat in the right. lineup so they go to play first base the idea of acquiring of spending real money on trey mancini to be an everyday first baseman when again i like trey mancini but he ain't jeff bagwell he ain't a 40 home run guy he's not a 30 home run guy he's a good hitter he's a solid hitter he's a nice baseball player i i always hate having this conversation because it feels like i'm disparaging trey mancini by no my no stretch of the imagination am I disparaging Trey Mancini, but he's another bat. For basically, but he can get you an inside the park home run every once in a while. Every once in a while, he's and got like no once, one in, his shoulder. once in his. That's true. That's true. Um, I just, I it's so the same I get back to my question right. is what what, what, what are the dollars? To... And when I when I analyze that, because I'm not as concerned with you about where Adley Rutschman is going to get this. I think there's nothing wrong with having Adley Rutschman have an actual real day off, you know, from... You I know. think it depends on how many you're giving him. Well, you know I'm talking I mean? like, about 10, you know, 10 or 12. I and, think, and he, I think, I think I he think DHs they, 20 yeah. games, you know. So you got a DH for 140 games that you got to find. I think there's enough at-bats to go around, you know. But anyway, that's my two cents. And I don't think it costs you an arm and a leg to sign him. No, I, I've never believed that it would be a ridiculous amount of money that it would cost to Th keep training. Thirty-nine to forty-five million for three years. You 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 have no problem with saying, well, he's going to be too old at the end of the contract. Trey Mancini, who's had the this cancer scare, gets to have a nice uh, what do they call it nest egg for him and Sarah to have kids mm -hmm. and have a great family and live. You know. Nothing wrong with $39 million over three years. You know, I mean, $42 million. I would you know. to end, and you get to be in a place where you're you, beloved. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas anywhere else you go, you're just a guy. Yeah. And I'm, I, I don't, I hate saying that because it's Trey Mancini that we're talking about, but Trey Mancini in San Francisco is just another guy who shows up. Who's just another player that's on the team next year? Oh yeah, I didn't remember he'd, he'd be cancer. That's neat. Cool. What's he? Mm -hmm. And when you're hitting 250 in the middle of May, people are saying, "Why the hell did we spend 15 million dollars on this guy?" There's no equity there. And then um, when he's like 55 years old, and people <laughs> right. people that are still around won't know who Boog Powell was, you have Mancini's barbecue. That's you know what you know, you know what. I mean, there is, there is, he, he could have that type of life here in Baltimore yes, forever because that's the way that he's beloved here. 
Um, we are Tuesday is the date, and we're going to talk more. I'm going to. I fell in love with this um, baseballtradevalues.com. It was pointed out to me yesterday that I, I can go. Ch- I got to check. It's baseball. Baseballtradevalues.com. Baseball. Uh, and they have quite the formula that they use to put together what a player's potential trade value is, and they have a equation that works up to a number, essentially. Are you going to explain how that works? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I want to do a segment about it later in the show. No, I'm kidding. Um, what is right now, Stan? Yeah. You said a week ago we did our predictions, and you had them not trading guys Yeah, when you did our predictions. I've, I've, still- I've changed in, on one player. I think that I think there's a very real chance that if Michael Ice gets the right call, that Jorge Lopez. I watched Batista yesterday. Yep, and I've watched him for a while. I mean, my you, God, what you, he's done over the last like eight, nineteen innings that he's pitched is insane. You trade a a good closer, and Jorge Lopez is a good closer. You know, mm. and he can be great on occasion. It's a real asset. The one thing that Luke likes to point out to me is that when he goes in consecutive days or three out of four, which the great ones can do, his stuff is down Mm -hmm. a a bit. Batista looks like he really can handle the job. Replacing that person isn't as hard as replacing the closer. So we have the closer in waiting. Mm -hmm. And, boy, if some team wants to throw me, say – a 21 year old that that they might they that we really like that's a starting pitcher yep. and maybe a 19 year old you know that they go well he's five years away uh we won't have a job when we you know but that if you give me two two pops for him I think you got to turn it into to something. I have felt far differently about Jorge Lopez than I felt every time we've talked about it for yeah. two months. I've said I, Jorge Lopez is an he is an asset. He is something that can actually, unlike Trey Mancini, he can get you something. Yeah. If yeah. you can get a real price for Jorge Lopez, I but I don't have the numbers for the last eighteen. But Steve Molesky shared uh, the last, Felix Batista's last eight games. Seven and two-thirds innings, no hits, no runs, one walk, 12 strikeouts, and 0 for 22 batters. He's retired all 22, 22 except for the walk. Yeah, The one walk, 22 batters, no one has been See, able to. He's not perfect. That, that bum. <laughs> well, he stinks. <laughs> Couldn't get anything terrible. for him. And I've even made the argument that if you're going to trade, and I don't think they should, but if you're going to trade Trey Mancini, and what you do is you use these two trades. You get real value for Lopez, and then you maybe use Mancini to get one more relief arm for next year. The guy that becomes your next Dylan Tate. If Dylan Tate's going to slide into the Felix Batista role, right. that you find somebody that you look around and say, we can't get a lot, but we can get something that could specifically help us next year. Yeah. There's an arm somewhere that in that organization, they're just another arm. But to us and all of the analysis that we've done in the same way that we were in love with CNL Perez and you know there were teams that didn't care about him, we'd say we want that. And if that's the way you use those two trades, again, if you're going to trade Trey Mancini, which I don't think you should do, but if you are, that combination kind of works for me, that you think you've got the system in place to have a strong bullpen again next year, and then you're using the other trade in order to acquire multiple pieces that can add into what it is that you're doing in order yeah. to help long-term. Yeah. Um, I'd listen to that. Uh, again, I don't want it, but I'd listen to it. So yeah, so this thing, what what do they think would be a good comp for uh, 
I guess you just have to throw names in. Essentially, I, I, I want to save it because I want to get okay. into a conversation. All right, great. I, I, I we'll tease this coming up in the eleven a.m. hour. I was presented earlier in the week. I said, "Look, I'm not the one thing I've said all along about the trade deadline. I'm not suggesting the Orioles go crazy. I'm not suggesting they acquire players." I just don't think they should trade Trey Mancini. And I had a friend who reached back and said, but you think they should try to start adding players in the offseason? And you and I have talked about that. I, I think that this offseason is when they start to try to add pieces and prioritize winning moving forward. And he said, well, then why wouldn't they be in on Tariq Skubal? He's the perfect fit for a player that you would try to acquire that could help now as you're looking to compete the rest of the season and is under team control for another three years after that. Right, but why would Detroit? They apparently are interested in trading Tariq Skubal, which I'll take. I'll take him. Yeah, he's on my fantasy team. Oh boy, then we can't. He had like a stand. We won't be able to do that. We. By the way, I had a great conversation with Matt Holiday the other day. Jackson. Oh yeah, sure. Of course, Mr. Mr. Holiday and the family. yes, Yes. I said, Matt, can I see for one minute? He comes over. I mean, I'd introduced myself with him. Uh, to him before about 20 minutes before and um i said i'm dying to know something i said i had you the year you were in the yankees i i had i had you i had you on my team and june first rolls around and i said i look like a genius i said what the heck did you what the heck no because i remember specifically all of a sudden he wakes up and he's sort of dizzy, and he's got fatigue, and they just said said they don't they don't know his day to day. Day to day led to the fifteen day DL, yeah. led to the sixty day DL. He said he had he had Epstein Barr. Epstein Barr. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I didn't yeah. Know that. He had I didn't a know virus that. that's in the herpes Jesus family. Jesus Christ! Uh, and it's just uh, he said it was. Uh, he goes, I had real trouble for like a couple of years wow and i go well i apologize yeah because you're, you're <laughs> yeah. the guy yeah it's yeah. your fault exactly right he that poor son of a bitch had no idea what was coming he I had no that. clue i always say that about players no i doubt. have on my team i said no poor son of a bitch never knew it never knew it hit him uh in the 11 a.m hour we're gonna dive in dive into whether or not should what should the orioles consider i played around on baseballtradevalues.com and came up with a trade that would work to land Tariq Skubal that they say is essentially equal value. Okay. And I said this morning on Twitter, I would. Do they ever – I mean, can you throw prospects yes. in? Yes. You can. That's what makes this okay. – like, I've got four prospects in a deal to Detroit for Tariq Skubal, and I'm telling you, it's a trade I would make. You would trade four prospects. Four, once you find out who they are, okay. you can talk about it. But we're going to save that for later on in the program. Uh, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience, technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. A little more national attention for the Orioles of late. Some more national reporters coming into Baltimore. I know Chelsea James of the Washington Post was there this week, as was Gabe Lax from USA Today, who's going to check in with us next. Dan the Fan is here. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hey Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s Concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. 
Tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Back in here on GCR, Stan the Fan is here. Stan, I um, I know you had to play Switcheroo last night for your show. Um, yeah, we were we had promised and been counting pretty heavily that Mike Loxley would be there. Uh, but uh, I understand his wife wanted to take him out for dinner. Oh. And uh, now nah, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> now, suddenly, <laughs> Dust, Dustin. Be, I didn't know what we were doing. If we we're going to du- be awkward about it, if no, we were, no, yeah. we're not going there. <laughs> right. Dustin Simonovic. Uh, Simonovic. Uh, texted me like two nights before saying, I really apologize because he knows I've worked about four months to get, you know, coach on. And I have a good relationship with Coach Loxley. Um, and he says he's got a schedule conflict now. So I'm just, I don't know what it is, uh, but I'm sure it was more important than being on with us. And I mean that not negatively, I'm just saying. So we'll get him on again. We ended up having Mike Liber mm-hmm. on 
who has uh, elite tournaments and elite sports promotions group. Yep. Uh, he's the person who put on – he was the promoter for the soccer match between uh, Everton, match, yep. Everton and Arsenal. Yeah. So there was that, and then you and Ross had a good show earlier in the week. Both those shows available right now at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Yep. Uh, We've got a good show next uh, Monday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Because we've got that Loxley uh, BBQ oh, at, at night, yep. in the evening. Uh, we're going to have Tim Kirchin on. Ah, the great yeah. Tim. Oh, I actually think he's supposed to be on with us on Monday morning, too. <laughs> that would figure. That's good. That's good. That would figure. The more the merrier. Maybe we'll move All that right. around. So you so said, no, 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 no. Go no. for it. Because uh, that's the day before the trade deadline. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. That's funny. Oh. That's funny. All right. Well, uh, you know what? It'd be two great conversations. Is it what it'll certainly be. It'll be will. Two great conversations. Will. Let's have a great conversation right now. As I was saying, uh, Orioles getting a little more national attention and a few more um, stories being written about what it is the Orioles are doing and national reporters making sure to spend some more time in Baltimore. One of them is Gabe Lax from USA Today, MLB writer, who is with us now here on GCR after he spent some time at the Orioles this week. Gabe, it's uh, Glenn, Stan the Fan Charles, back here in Baltimore. Great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hey, I appreciate coming on before the Hall of Famer rather than after. So right. you guys lined it up well. <laughs> right. Gabe, um, you, you want us to say future Hall of Famer, Gabe Lax? Nice. You want us to go now? Right? There you go. Oh, goodness. Wow, wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. A lot. That's a high bar. I need you guys to pump me up on that one. All yeah. Right. <laughs> Gabe, um, I'm going to dumb it down. What do you make of how this has happened? How do you explain what's going on in Baltimore this season where even internally the Orioles had no thought that this is where they might be heading into the Major League Baseball trade deadline? Yeah, it's really, really hard to explain. Uh, I don't even know if they could necessarily, you know, despite uh, all the proprietary information they have. I'm sure there's plenty of – of raised eyebrows around the warehouse. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I, the two pieces that jump out at me uh, is the, the ability to sort of finish off the development of players and have them take extra steps forward that they hadn't taken before, especially when you're talking about guys that you've brought into the uh, organization like Ramon Urias and, uh, and Jorge Mateo. And then the bullpen, obviously, is such an amazing piece. And I think... I think that part of it is really encouraging for Orioles fans for the long term because, uh, you know, ideally you'd <laughs> you'd put these guys in a cryogenic freeze of some sort and it would just be the bullpen for the next five years and they would dominate and it'd be incredible. Uh, but, you know, it just doesn't go that way. Bullpens are so volatile. Yeah. But the fact that Mike Elias and, and his group can get this crew together uh, and uh, identify them, develop them uh refine their pitch selection uh, and and roll them out the way they are is really encouraging because that's the hardest thing to do in baseball and the very best and most consistent franchises. And I'm bringing these guys up a lot. I mean, this conversation, I'm sure the Dodgers, the Rays, they can do it again and again. And so uh, as good as this group is, I think the, the, the greater encouraging sign for Orioles fans is the fact that, uh, that this front office showed the ability to put it together and they can probably do it again. Gabe, uh, this is Stan. You know, you bring up a, a point that is so important that got overlooked during the six six years of Dan Duquette's, you know, where he ran the operation. Buck was the manager. But several times, and I've talked to Dan about this, uh, the inability to really develop Kevin Gaussman, 
to develop Dylan Bundy. Both rushed up to the major leagues, partly because of need and partly because of Bundy's contract that ensured when he would be a major leaguer. But he he regrets that they were not able to finish off development. So I kind of laugh when people were so anxious to get Adley Rutschman up here, and now they're so anxious to get D.L. Hall up here that this is the right way. Let them dominate at one level and prove that they've mastered that level. And Dan Duquette, for various reasons, couldn't do it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just uh, it, it's a fascinating time right now because there's still some Duquette guys around uh, drafted, and yet now they're being developed by the by the Elias administration. If you look at you know DL Hall, kind of the next guy, Grayson Rodriguez. So it's it's an interesting point in time where you know maybe uh, maybe Duquette's group was onto something with identifying players, but but couldn't quite get them over the the finish line. Uh, you know, over over that course of time, it's interesting. I talked to Gosman about this last year, and he says, looking back, you know, as he was starting for the Giants, he says he probably could have benefited from a little more time in the minor leagues. Uh, but he said he was with an organization where there just wasn't much depth, and it was like, you know, here you go, you know, and, and he kind of had to learn how to pitch in the in the major leagues, which uh, yeah. which is not easy. Not that he re- regretted his time in Baltimore, but it was tough place to learn. And I'm sure that's probably uh, Dylan Bundy's experience too. So uh, Gabe, you know, I, I think this deliberate approach we're seeing is great. Gabe, you know, there's another point to that whole thing. Remember Dan Duquette was, if we want to call it blackballed, whatever it was, Dan Duquette was out of baseball for a decade. And I think that some of the urgency he showed yeah, was him mm-hmm. wanting to be back, having his name out there and being With a winner, as, yeah, a winner, you know, Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's such a, what a, what a decade to be out of baseball too. I mean, so much has had changed. And then in the decade since, uh, so much continues to change. It's such a, such a different industry, uh, even from, uh, you know, from five to 10 years ago. So it's, uh, you know, I, obviously the Orioles were overdue in a lot of places to, to update a lot of their apparatus, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, much of this work is, is overdue. And, and now you kind of wonder, you know, how much is this group going to be ahead of the curve? That's because uh, that that continues to be a, a harder and harder thing to do, just because so many teams are are trying to do the same thing. So the fact they're finding some edges already is uh, you know is a pretty good sign for this this regime. Gabe Lax, USA Today, with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Gabe, we're going to talk about you know how the impact and what they should do about the deadline. But I I have really struggled with trying to define this question. We all know that. Mike Elias is is here for the long term, but we didn't know what Brandon Hyde's role in all of this was going to be. And as they've so vastly outperformed expectations, how much credit does he deserve? And to the point where, like, are you on the cusp of the Orioles having to think about whether or not they commit to him being the manager as they make the transition in the next phase of this thing? Yeah, I think the I think the the credit is seen in the fact that he's still here. You know, that's, that's really hard to do when you're talking about, you know, three seasons of just, you know, having to get kicked in the teeth and, and just not, you know, not having the weapons. I mean, it's, you've seen how it goes, you know, an underqualified starter goes three innings, gets, you know, gets routed. The bullpen has to come in. You have to make a bunch of moves because now you need a fresh arm that's back up and, and you're playing in the AL East. You know, it, so I, I kind of refer to what they've been going through as a tunnel. You know, they've been in, they were in that tunnel for three years, and it feels like you're never going to get out of it. So, you know, I 
I give Brandon a lot of credit for just, you know, the, you know, maintaining sanity. I mean, everybody, you know, to a man, they all say he's been the same guy uh, in the good times and the bad. And that had to be really hard. In addition to, you know, 2020 managing a, a pandemic, you know, uh, 2019, 2020, having to handle the Chris Davis situation of just rolling them out there and, and having to accept that dead spot in the lineup for so long. Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of mitigating factors. And so for him to kind of come out the other side uh, and, and not have uh, people kind of sniping at him or, or whatever, you know, I mean, I think that speaks really well. Just the, the fact that he was able to, to keep things, you know, on pace and actually see that's players a really good develop, point. Uh, under his regime. Yeah, it's, it's been fascinating to watch. I, I, it's not something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, but my God, like everything. Well, well, most it, most of the time, the guys that are brought in for the rebuild are not there to to, 100%. Cap, to cap it off. One hundred percent, and it'd be easy to lose your nerve in those circumstances. And we've seen it from a lot of Orioles managers in the past, where just you, you go through so much and you go through so much, and at some point, it just starts to show. Like, you can't hide it right. anymore. The cracks start coming out. There's there's noise in the hallway in a press conference, and you just can't – my God, it's all too much, you know? Like, it just – and Brandon right. Hyde, for whatever reason, as much crap as he was dealt, really stayed large. I mean, there were moments where he would flip out about a call on the field or something like that, but that's, that's the job of being a manager. At Publicly, right. Brandon Hyde continued to compose himself – and maintain all of the nonsense that he was dealing with in in a trying to shepherd this team through what has been, to your point, a very difficult few years. You, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, Brandon Hyde went through this when he was with the Cubs because he saw Rick Renteria get get the shaft. You know, right. And I think uh, I think that probably speaks really well to you know the the manager in front office being on the on the same page as much as they possibly can be where the, you know, the, the general manager is very clear, like, look, this is going to be difficult. You know, look, we're not, I mean, you know, and it, it's a fine line because you don't want to say you don't care about wins and losses because it's always the manager's job to compete to the hilt and, uh, and not get his guys used to losing. Uh, at the same time, you have to balance the expectations and not, uh, yeah, I, I think what happens is eventually the competitive piece of it eats these guys alive. And maybe you take it out on your players. Maybe you take it out on the media. You know, you snap in at an otherwise innocuous question. Uh, sometimes you gotta let it out on the umpires, whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, again, like uh, I, I think it takes a, a very specific personality type to balance those two things. To you know, that the the angel on one shoulder is saying, you know, don't worry about it. It's a rebuild. The devil on the other shoulder is saying, you know, we just got beat up by the Yankees. We have to play them tonight. There's three guys coming up from Norfolk. I have no idea what they're going to have for me. Mm. Uh, help. You know? Right. <laughs> it's it's right. tough. Um, all right, Gabe. So here we are. It's, we're a couple of days away. The Orioles are 50 and 49. You're Mike Elias. What do you do? Um, I, I, I still don't Oof. think they're going to add. I'd be stunned by that, but... Do you hold on to Trey Mancini? Do you try to move, you know, to your point about the bullpen, it is cyclical. Do you try to move Jorge Lopez if you can get a big return and have faith in what you do? What What's your thought process as we get closer to August 2nd? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I think, uh, you know, the one thing that is kind of good about uh, sort of the new age GM is the, the ability to sort of, uh, you know, block out the noise a little bit. 
not that they shouldn't be responsive to uh, to what fans want and what the team deserves. Uh, at the same time, this trade deadline doesn't have to be a referendum, you know, an up and down referendum on what Mike Elias will be as a GM or what the hopes are for the Orioles. Uh, in other words, if they subtract a little at this point, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be constantly dealing talent away and playing for next year all the time. You know, it's kind of like Lucy with the football. <laughs> they're finally good and whoop, we pull right, it away. Right. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he can, he can kind of do both. Uh, you know, the, the more I think about it, the more I think Lopez might make the most sense. Uh, you know, Trey, obviously you would, you know, you would take the, you know, the sentimental hit and maybe bum your fans out a bit and you wonder what the return will be. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of teams that could use Mancini, but I, and some of them are kind of in their own division. I think he'd be a great fit with the Red Sox, uh, for instance, you know, with Bobby Dahlbeck, just really scuffling, uh, just to throw one out there that said, you know, who, you know who's a good trade partner for him. What do you get? It, what get back for him? You know, it, 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 the risk reward there seems a little more minimal. Whereas, if you were to delete Lopez from the bullpen and elevate, say, Felix Bautista, mm-hmm. uh, and then add another guy at the bottom of the bullpen, uh, that uh, you know you could conceivably now maybe you know maybe the whole thing falls apart. You know maybe this bullpen is is just you know. It's a little more tenuous than we look just because every piece is so impeccable right now. But you got to figure Lopez would bring a ton of, uh, a ton of value back, uh, a controllable all-star closer uh, when every, every major contender, and, you know, we're talking the biggest of boys, you know, the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals are always in there, uh, the Astros, you name it. Everybody always needs another reliever. So you think about the, the bidding that could go on for him. You think about the value given his stuff and given his controllability, you know, you could really get something for Jorge Lopez and then, uh, you know, then you don't have to worry about potential regression with him over the next couple of years. Not that anybody's expecting it, but it just happens. So you take him out, you move everyone up one, and then you go and you try to find, uh, you know, the next CNL Perez, yep. uh, you try to develop the next Bautista. So uh, that, that to me would be make the most sense and potentially only damage the big league clubs so much, assuming that all of the other guys continue throwing the ball as well as they have. I think we're all in agreement about that. I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to race to just toss Jorge Lopez aside. I want to make that clear, but right. I, I just, I tend to agree. He's an actual asset and you could actually get something legitimate for him. And I think this year has given us all a little bit of faith that they can figure out how to make the bullpen work um, in the coming years and that they can find, their next guys, and I think that's why we're more inclined to listen. Gabe Lacks. Right. Uh, It'll be really interesting. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Oh, it's a very interesting, especially like when they go and sweep Cincinnati this weekend, and suddenly they're, you know, let's just say they're back within a two games of a playoff spot, a game of a playoff right. spot at that point. Whew. Oh, boy. It funny, gets thing, a- funny, funny thing about a, a wild card race, especially with three spots, it can look like a forest that you'll never get out of, but, uh, you know, just the just win baby concept is never more apt because if you win, you know, other teams are going to lose, you know, if you just continue to win, you know, that forest will thin out a little bit and then suddenly it's like, well, we're, you know, we're in this thing. So the the timing of the, you know, the reds conceivably coming up right now is is pretty good for them, especially after going five and five against the Rays and Yankees. You know, that's a, that's a really good showing right now. That third wild card spot with Tampa on top 53 and 46 down to Boston. You just took three or four. You just took three or four. four Right. Right. And you've got five teams within three and a half games. 
Right. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> Absolute insanity. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. Four uh, and a half games. I'm sorry. Four and a half games. Gabe, what can we plug for you? Obviously, USA Today, usatoday.com, but uh, social media. Yeah, I know you guys do some oh, video yeah. stuff. What all can we plug for you? Absolutely. Yeah. On Twitter, at Gabe Lacks, G-A-B-L-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Uh, yeah. If you, uh, if you like what you see and you hit the paywall, we're having a sale right now, so Smash that subscribe button. We'll appreciate it. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's great to you know great to have a viable team around here to, to check out, and uh, you look forward to uh, definitely seeing seeing what happens with this franchise going forward. I, I thought this week would be nothing but Ravens training camp conversation. It is really pleasant <laughs> to be talking baseball and ball. Kind of refreshing, huh? It yeah. is so refreshing. <laughs> Gabe, thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Really appreciate it. It's... Okay, you got it, fellas. Thank you. It's Gabe Lacks from USA Today joining us here on uh, GCR. I, the Brandon Hyde thing, I tried. I was talking to John Heyman about this the other day, and I just said, how do you define it? Like, how do you define what his role has been in getting to 50 and 49? Like, what, what part of this do you credit him with? Is there any part of it that you say well, maybe we actually have been puzzled by some of the things that he's done, and yet they've won anyway. Like, how do you define his role in this? You know, I go back to the pandemic year when Team A, Team B, Team all the way to, like, Team G and H were having all those problems with multiple players that came down with the COVID virus, and the team had they had to reschedule games. Mm -hmm. They had to bring up minor leaguers. The Orioles, I don't believe, missed a single game because of that. They had like one incident where a game was pushed back a yeah. little. I think that was the Marlins thing, yeah. too. I think that was a problem with them. Right. But they, no, I think you're right. And I thought it spoke volumes of how much respect the players had for Brandon Hyde. That, think about it now. Literally every player on the 40-man roster is vaccinated. Is vaccinated. Yep. Yep. And I think we all know of a couple that are pretty conservative, yep. that are pretty you know, they, they've made their political inclinations quite known right. over the years. And we've all kind of laughed about, well, you know who's not going to make that? And we actually know because a, a couple weeks ago they went to Toronto yep. and, a, you know, Santander wasn't able to go right. and a couple others. Well, now all of a sudden, whatever's going on right now, they're apparently all buying in. Yep. Every single one of them is buying into what they're doing right now to the point where they're saying – Okay, we'll go ahead and get vaccinated. When it when it comes to Brandon, I wrote this about three or four months ago that I thought Brandon had already proven himself that I thought it was time to give him like a three-year contract. I understand they have announced he's going to be back next year. But you don't But that's like a that, that's, that's that's a, a we a don't want you to be a that's lame a duck this right, year. That right. this is that this exists within yeah. sports. When we say that, that's not a commitment. That's a you never want your coach, your manager to be sitting, to be in, a sitting in a lame duck, duck situation. situation. Listen, Mike is a he he is buttoned down and he keeps everything the way he kept that draft pick, you know, hidden from all of us, not not a leak. I, but when I look at the boxes that Mike Elias would check off for what he'd want out of a manager, I can't see one box that Brandon Hyde hasn't checked off, you know, for that deserves a three-year, $8 million contract or something like that where he knows he's going to make a nice chunk of money. There, there uh, are times where we question decisions. A lot of us were questioning yeah. Adley Rutschman being pinch run for the other night right. in the ninth inning, and I think it's fair. I think we're never going to agree with every decision that a manager makes all the time, and I think yeah. there's plenty of times where maybe in hindsight, two days later, he might have said, you know what? 
got caught up in the moment, maybe didn't think that one entirely through, kind of screwed the pooch there. And I can live with I can live with the fact that not everything is going to work out. That right. Sometimes you're going to make decisions, and ultimately they're not going to work out, but you're trying in that moment to do the best thing that you can do to try to win the game. That, that's your immediate thought. In that moment, he thought having Ryan McKenna on the base pass would be a right. better scenario. I'm not convinced that Ryan McKenna is a drastically better base runner than, than Adley Rutschman is, and certainly not to the trade-off of having to take Adley Rutschman out of the game at that point. So that was where I was with yeah. – I had the game against Tampa the other night where he let uh, Yu Chang face uh, Tyler Wells for a third time mm-hmm. when he had lined mm-hmm. out really hard to third base and doubled the next time up. And now it's like the sixth inning. And Ben McDonald said, he goes, I don't know. I don't, or Jim Palmer. It was Jim Palmer. I really don't, you know, I, I would. this would be the time to pull the trigger and take him out. And he let him face him, and he got the, the go-ahead double, I yep. think it was. Yeah. Yep. That was oh, and the, the roads. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was the trying road to do the game. Math, I'm, like, t- I'm like thinking of the Tyler Wells start tune. I'm like, that's not right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then I realized that's yeah. what you're talking. Then I also realized that Jim Palmer didn't call that. Listen, yeah. boxes checked. N- not one of those boxes is perfect. No nope. ta- tactical nope. skill. You know, he more times than not, he's he's on where my mind is thinking. Like, okay, time to get him out. Yeah, and he com- comes out most of the time. Um, I think very highly of Brandon Hyde. I do. Um, I I certainly understand that. I I don't. A lot of times it's easy for us to say you're only as good as the players you have, right? right. That's really what a manager is. Is they're exactly as good as the the players that they have. Um, I think that if that's the case, then this is the most defining way to say he's really good because on paper we know these players, this group, not to dismiss all of them, but yep. this group sure as hell should not have 50 wins on paper. And it's not just – even their production this year, they shouldn't have 50 wins. This is not a high-level offense. This is a, certainly a staff that has outperformed any expectation you could possibly have for you them. talk about the guy who deserves a, uh, a long Chris Holt? Kind of yeah, Chris right. Holt, My uh, God. And, and who, whomever is using the analytics and the spin rate yep. teaching and all that – They've done a masterful job with these pitching. It's purely insanity. Um, What are you doing with Tyler Wells' rotation spot right now? Uh, I would probably, again, I've gone on record. I love D.L. Hall and want to see him up here and soon, but I want to see him in more of that master relief role. And maybe, again, maybe we've got the guy that replaces Bautista's role when Lopez, if Lopez gets traded. Uh, but I don't think the club is ready to go there. I think they view him as a starter right now. So I'd probably say him, but uh, because I think the fans are itching to feel more of the future. Uh, so I'd like to see him or Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey pitched last night. And I correct? heard he got hit pretty badly. I think he pitched. Well, Dia, Dia uh, Hall got rocked two days ago. He okay. gave up six runs and six hits in two-thirds of an inning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious. By, by far his worst outing of the year. Perfect time to bring yeah, him right? up. right? That's yeah. the, the, you know, you hate, you hate that that's what we're talking yeah. about is that's where we are. Uh, Matt Harvey, uh, last night, did indeed five innings, six hits, four runs, three earned. Yeah. One walk. I mean, it's not. How many strikeouts? Uh, Three. Just two. Yeah, two. Just two. Yeah. Just two. So, yeah. Not yeah. not great. Don't, you know, I, I, and actually I just want to. The start before that was even worse. Yeah. Mm. Yuck. 
Yuck. He just still reminds me a little bit of a work in progress. I remember if you look at Frank Tanana, okay. when Tanana came up with the, uh, I think he came up with the Angels, but ended up pitching for about six or mm-hmm. seven teams and lasted about 18 oh, years. Yeah. His first three years, he was like a Matt Harvey. He was a phenomenal strikeout pitcher, but I think he was on the same staff with Nolan Ryan, so he couldn't be as good. But he was like, like he was tremendous uh, raw talent. And then he hurt his arm, and he had to go back to the drawing board. And there were lots of years where the ERA was in the high fours and the five, and then suddenly he just had this six or seven year period where you could. Pencil yeah. in 200 innings, and he'd win 13. He and was lose. capable, he right? Was he was, he capable. was a helpful piece. Yeah, exactly he was a right. piece. That's a good way to put it. The place to be for UFC 277 tomorrow night is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Why would you pay $75 to watch the fights at home when you could watch the fights for free in the FanDuel Sportsbook and you can win money? Griffin's going to play some insane parlay where he's going to try to win like a billion dollars. Yeah. Tell us about that later. Put put a dime on it. We'll see. Uh, Stan's got to duck out for a second. That's all right. Um, So we're going to share that. That's my plan. We're going to share that. Okay. Maybe maybe here, maybe for um, Live Casino's social page. I'm not going to share it, but you've got your parlay? Sure. Yeah, I got it. What would it pay out? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know off the top of my head, but I have my picks. All right. Figure out how much it would pay out. Okay. All right? I want to know that. Um, but the place to be is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel, betting on all of the fights in their 61 self-service kiosks. Uh, think about football season plans. You know the Hall of Fame game is next week, by the way. The first preseason football game of the year is next week. Um, yeah, uh, is it the 11th? I thought that's it was late. I think Thursday that's, night that's the, the Ravens. The Ravens' first game is the 11th. Yeah, the, the, oh, the Hall of Fame game is next oh, Thursday sorry. night, okay. the 4th. Yeah, I'm that's sure. correct. Um, so start thinking about your football plans. The email address, events at sportssocialmd.com. Whether you want to be there tomorrow night for the fights, whether you want to start thinking about your plans for football season, get in touch. They'll work with you, your group, whatever it is, your fantasy football draft. A great place to be would be in the FanDuel Sportsbook where you can bet on the games like that first college football weekend. I keep trying to tell you the best place to be, the FanDuel Sportsbook, live casino in Hotel Maryland. Can, can I just jump in with a – it's like sort of my own ad – Okay. About the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. okay. There, they, I, I don't know how when the last time you were at an Orioles game, folks, yes. out there. But For me, it was really, yesterday. You really ought to try it. Uh, seriously. They, they go to Cincinnati for three. Then they're in Texas for three. Mm-hmm. They come home for a weekend series against the Pirates. Which is the I anniversary celebration. The anniversary celebration. Cedric Mullins bobblehead mm-hmm. night. And, and I the think concert. Boop, and isn't Boop oh, there is a bobblehead? Boop. Is it the same weekend? I think it's the same really? weekend. Then Toronto comes in for three games. Then we go to Boston for one game. I don't know if that's a ma- that's, that's a make probably up, a makeup. Yeah. We go to Tampa again for three. Toronto for three. Then Boston comes here for two. And then the Sunday night, um, that game against Boston is in Williamsport at the oh, Little yeah, League Little World League, yep. Series. And then they've got three more against the White Sox to, to close out the month of home games. So there are three, six, nine, twelve home games. And I guarantee you tickets are still easy to get. Won't always be that way. 
but plan on getting out to a game. I keep okay? thinking about that Labor yeah. Day. I've created this Labor Day scenario in my mind all year where like we have an electric, a game that matters against Toronto. Right, right. It's Labor Day in Baltimore. Everybody wants to be there. There's 30,000 plus at a Labor Day baseball game, and it just feels electric. And Boy, it's it's. By the way, the Boog Pal is actually on August twentieth. Okay, that's the date. Sorry the, about that. That's okay. The Sorry Boog Pal giveaway is twentieth. But yes, to your point, that first weekend back, um, Friday night, the Cedric Mullins bobblehead, uh, and that's August fifth. And the sixth is the big 30, 30th anniversary. Yep, they're doing a T-shirt giveaway. Then they're doing the concert afterwards with uh, Drew Hill and Smash Mouth. And then Sunday is just a kind of a game. It's not a huge promotion, but it's a big weekend to try to get to the ballpark and uh, celebrate. Yeah, support the support the orange, man. Support yep. the orange. No doubt about it. All right, hour number one of today's show in the books. Stan the Fan Charles is here with us in studio on a Friday edition of the program. Um, a rumor that we might be joined later on this hour by Mike Sando from The Athletic, who, of course, wrote the quarterback tier story early in the week that had the anonymous defensive coordinator quote in there that everybody got all worked up about. There's a rumor he might join us before the show is over. The defensive coordinator? Not the defensive coordinator. <laughs> not willing to uh, put his name to it. How about a, don't we have subpoena power? I don't, here at the I don't, think, Clark I don't think we can get him to testify for five hours. I don't think that's going to work. Dan Snyder um, did 11 hours. Is it 11 that he ended up doing? Jeez. So um, before then, something far more important. It was uh, really wonderful to spend some time with our next guest yesterday on what is an obviously an incredibly difficult day as it was uh, two years to the day that, that her son passed away. But boy, it was a magical day to be at the ballpark. And uh, it was pretty clear that Mo was there. And uh, we felt his presence throughout the course of that game. I call her Saint Sanzi. We love Sanzi Gabba. And she's back with us now here on GCR. Sanzi, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan is here with me today. Uh, gosh, it was so wonderful spending the day with you yesterday. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes this morning. No, of course. It's my pleasure. Can you, pleasure. Can you put into words what a, a day like that you know, I can only imagine how painful it is to see the date on the calendar and to think about you know, two years ago. But can you put into words what the entirety of yesterday was like for you? I can't, I can't even put it in the words. It was, of course, it was emotional, but just seeing all the love and support and women and everything, just to imagine that can't be arts into something just to honor Mo yesterday. I mean, yesterday was a lot easier to, to deal with. Let's. Let, we're having a little bit of a connection problem, Sanzi. I'm going to have um, Griffin try to connect, reconnect with you, and, and get that squared away because I don't want to miss anything that Sanzi Gabba is saying this morning because you know it's Sanzi Gabba that we're talking to, and yep. it is far too important that uh, that we don't miss out on Mo is Mo is up there, yeah, messing with the, the yeah, right? messing with messing the controls, hundred percent, having some fun with her. Well, of course, Mo famously would sneak off without Sanzi knowing to call right. into radio shows, right. and she would find out later <laughs> when somebody would message her and be like, "I'm pretty sure I just heard your son." <laughs> Calling into, at yeah, night, right, calling into a radio show, and she was like, what? <laughs> what? What was he doing? I don't understand that at all. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, Sanzi, of course, threw the first pitch yesterday, and extraordinarily fitting that it was to Trey, and again, what might have been his last home game in Baltimore, which is a sentence I don't much care for, um, but that's the reality of it, and everything was just... 
really kind of beautiful. It was just, it was, it was it, it pitch perfect, frankly, is the best way to describe it. It was pitch perfect the way it was supposed to go. Let's try it again with uh, Sanzi Gabba, who's with us here on GCR. I'm sorry, Sanzi. We weren't, we weren't hearing, and I just want to make sure everything you say, it's so important. Um, what, 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 did, what, what did it mean to you yesterday? It meant everything. I mean, because, I mean, yesterday, of course, it was very emotional and by far the worst day of my life, but just being at Camden Yards and just seeing everyone and seeing all the all the support and all the love they show for Mo was awesome. It's wonderful. Oh, it was so wonderful. And of that, course, that's the thing that struck me, Sanji, is is what what your son was able to do in this city in the short time that he got notoriety. Uh, it, it's just rem- it's remarkable. It really is, and and it really. Uh, filled me up yesterday with some a, a big smile on my face you know i'm i miss mo but what he accomplished is just beyond belief to me thank you sanzi, thank you so much sanzi how much did you feel him yesterday I, i'm telling you even before we got to the end of the game and and he clearly impacted and we'll talk about that in a second I I felt his presence. I know I've talked to you about like times where you hear a song in the car and you're like, okay, Mo's there. Um, how much did you feel that when you got to the ballpark yesterday? Well, it was a number of things because it was supposed to rain yesterday mm. and it didn't. Yep. So, well, okay, Mo, that's one. <laughs> and then I was I was okay. And as soon as we were getting closer to the Camden Yards, I was like, you know what? I feel his energy now. And it all started to set in like, this day is for you. Wow. And wow. It, it meant everything. And then, like I was saying, everything, like just going to the ballpark and the film energy and, and this interaction with, with Trey was different. And I, w- I wasn't crying as much. I'm like, okay, Mo, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you uh... how, Mo, Sanji, how much did Mo, the Orioles mean to, to, to Mo? They like they were like his first love. I mean, he loved the Orioles and the Ravens, but yep. his, the Orioles were his first love. Yeah. And, he like his quick to picks with Jeremy and Scott and all that stuff, and that's how started everything. And yeah, he just fell in love with them first, and that was that was his home. Yep. Trey, um, I, God, <laughs> see, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to ask a question about it because I, I, you know, I think you and I have talked. I'm not a very religious person, and I remember Eric DaCosta talking about holding Mo's hand the first time and like feeling that maybe it was the presence of God. And I was like, I, I don't know <laughs> oh, about <wow>. that. <laughs> and then I held Mo's hand for the first time and I walked away and said, okay, I was wrong. I felt the presence of God right there. Um, wow. <laughs> that moment yesterday, I, I don't, I don't know what, how powerful Mo is up there. Like, I don't know if he gets to call all the shots, <laughs> but, but how in the world do you describe and, and, and con- just conceive what occurred in the eighth inning yesterday on Mo's day? I, I honestly, I can't put it into words. I feel it's like nothing but angels in the outfield lives. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that's what it was. Because like, it was like there was no reason why that man couldn't have caught that, and then for whatever reason he missed. I'm like, okay, Mo, you did that. <laughs> there's no doubt. There's no question. He had he had to have a hand in it somehow. The, the final thing yeah. for me was after after the inside the park home run, which Glenn Apley thanked Mo for. 
was all of a sudden, as you said, Sanzi, it was supposed to rain yesterday and it was overcast sort of the whole day. It was a haze. But as soon as Trey hit the home run, it was like Mo almost like cued the, you know, the, all right, lights. Time for the sun. Yeah. Light, time for the sun. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was like unreal, honestly. You, you, unreal. Sh- you shared a piece of artwork that apparently, and I don't know who it was that came up with it, but for those that haven't yeah. seen it, we'll retweet it. It's this piece of artwork that someone made of Mo holding a magnifying glass from heaven over the sun. <laughs> In order to shine it into to Josh Lowe's, uh, Josh Lowe's uh, face, and I, I I saw how much it meant to you. It's really beautiful. It's just really beautiful, isn't it, Sanzi? Yeah, it, it is because it's like everything that everybody felt before that we all saw that picture was described in that picture. Mm, it's perfect, without a doubt. It's it's so it's so perfect. How much, you know, it, there's a commitment, it seems, from the Orioles to make sure that July 28th will always be Mogaba Day for this franchise, for this city. And, again, knowing that date's not going to change for you. Every time we get towards July 28th, you're going to think about July 28th, 2020. How, how yeah. much does it help to see that there's been a commitment from the team to say, we want to keep making sure that July 28th is permanently a celebration of Mo forever. It means, I mean, honestly, I didn't, honestly, I didn't expect him to do this, continue this even after his passing. And for them to continue to do that and make it a whole day at his favorite place on earth, I can't thank them enough. Honestly, I can't thank them enough. You're giving me goosebumps right yeah. now. <laughs> You're legitimately giving me goosebumps. And the other thing that jumped out to me, and I, you know, I spent a lot of time. You know, all of us were spending a lot of time together. I spent a lot of time with Damon, and I, the amount of time and effort that was put into trying to raise money and attention for the Johns Hopkins Children's Center as part of all of this. I know how much that has meant to you and the Radiothon over the years and Mo. Um, how important has that been for you that as part of celebrating Mo, the team, the city, media continues to lift up the Johns Hopkins Children's Center in the process? I mean, that's one thing that meant everything to him above, above all else. And it's any way that he could find to help somebody else, hey, I'm going to continue any way I can. And for the, everybody else to jump on board with that, I couldn't ask for anything else. It reminded me of when he did the show with Jeremy, and again, it's all about him, and of course he started the show by wanting to talk about one of his other friends. Like, it just, the the self yeah. the selflessness that was so impossible, right? Like, oh, it just reminds me. Here it is. It's Mo's day, but we need to make sure we share it with all of these other kids that are going through what they're going through and trying to lift them up, too. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, that was Mo. It's pretty special to think about. It's pretty special to think about. Um, all right, so if it was Trey's final at bat at Camden Yards, it's probably about the greatest final at bat you could ever have. But yeah, I'm, it's like a storybook ending. I- I'm going to imagine that if you had your way, you would say, hey, maybe it shouldn't be Trey's final at bat at Camden Yards. Maybe we should try to keep him around for a little bit longer. Yeah, when we were talking, we really chatted for a little bit for us, um, throughout the first pitch. Now, I just thought, I was like, I don't know if it means anything. I said, please don't go. I don't want you to leave. 
I mean, do, do you think you want him over? Do you think you got him to say, I, re- I refuse? I won't go. Or maybe, worst case, he gets traded. He'll sign back here at the end of the year. All right, Sanzi, I, I can't leave you. Yeah, it's like for him to leave, it, doesn't, it won't feel right with him not being on the Orioles anymore. There's no question. There's no question that it would it, it would leave an empty feeling. I, I, I guess, can I ask you to put into words, And because I, I know it's not just Trey. I know how much Buck did and how much, you know, Adam Jones was so special for, for Mo yeah. years. But specifically, Trey, can you possibly describe what that relationship, what he's meant to you, to your family over these years since he's been here? It's crazy. To even put in the words that he's become family now, even now with Moon being gone, and still we keep in touch and nothing has changed. And that means the world to me. That everything still continues, even with Mo up in heaven now. And that's what everybody was thinking. Like, it's like what I noticed that with him being gone, people kind of like fade away. But with all the people that meant so much to him, they're still here. And yeah. I couldn't ask for anything more, and I'm, I'm so thankful for it. Oh, it's uh, it's real hard to hold back tears right now. That is really okay. Don't hard. cry. I cried enough. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, God. I guess it's seventy. My tears aren't there anymore. I just have seen too much of it. But uh, what a is. special, special young man you brought into the world, Santi. Thank you. Um, I know that uh, our friend Dean Tejada from Thread Level Midnight is continuing to sell the Be Momentous shirts, and money from that is going to the Johns Hopkins Children's Center. So we'd ask yes, everybody sir. to go to threadlevelmidnight.com right now and get your Be Momentous shirt. Um, it is perfect. It is really – I got mine. Uh, Dean brought me mine yesterday. It's a perfect, perfect shirt. And I know there's plans to try to do even more, Sanzi, right, and that, that, that we're going to keep – you know, we we talk about, you know, one of the reasons in, you and I have talked about that we felt an obligation. It's why we renamed our sports person of the year, the Mo Gabba sports person of the year. Keep his memory alive in as many ways as we can. Yep. Yeah. And to continue yep. to let people know Mo's story and what he's all about. Um, Sanzi, I, I, I love you so much. And I was so happy to spend the day with you. And um, I, I've I said it. I've had a lot of magical days at the ballpark over my life, but I don't know that there was one that will mean more to me than spending that day at the ballpark with you all yesterday. Thank you, as always, for taking the time. You're for more us. than welcome. You're more than welcome. Love you, friends. Uh, love you too. See you soon, Sanzi. Sanzi Gabba. Okay. She's a she's a remarkable woman. Yep. Yeah, it was a remarkable day yesterday. It was a remarkable, remarkable day. All right, when we come back in, yep. uh, I want to dive into some trade talk. Okay. I got, I got, told you, I made a trade. I acquired Tariq Skubal. It works. Can you do one thing during the break, though? Yes. Can you throw in another name to acquire oh, and oh. see if it works? Who do you want? Brady Singer. Of the Kansas City Royals. I, I can uh, see what we, what it would take in order to get Brady Singer. I can work on that right now. All right. We'll talk about that when we come back in. A um, lot to do as we continue. Hour number two of Glenn Clark Radio. 
Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us. Uh, all right, Stan. Did, did my trade work? I'm, well, we got to figure out what we okay. want to do in order to make it. Okay. So we'll get to that in one second. Um, today's show is also brought to you by... Ooh, this one's brought to you by... You know what? Hang on. I'm going to save that because we just did all those. Right. So I'll, I'll save that for a second from now. You want to trade for Brady Singer. Yep. Here's the deal. Okay. Yesterday, it came up in conversation on the show... Tariq Skubal, who Ken Rosenthal reports the Tigers are willing... Made him available. Are, are made him available and apparently have made everybody available. There is absolutely a possibility that by making him available, what they're really saying is, you want to give us everything? Sure. We'll let you have 
Tariq Skubal. And if that's the case, he's not going to get dealt because as good as he's been, he's not the guy that anybody's giving up everything for at this point. Um, but I, I was pointed to, as I was asking yesterday, what really would it cost in order to do a, a trade? I was pointed by a couple of listeners to BaseballTradeValues.com, which is a really remarkable resource. Baseball Trade Values um, is, I'm going to try to go through, they create a value, a, a, a point value for every player at the major league level and every player at the minor league level. They use a, a very high level system in order to calculate this value. It includes the player's war, the projections, how a player is trending, His age. age, years of control, whether they're at any sort of injury risk, any sort of roster risk, like could they be a player that a team would have to move on from anyway. They have an incredible calculation that they come up with in order to identify a number value in relation to a specific player. So I just said, well, heck, let's find out. What would it actually cost in order to get Tariq Skubal? So I went into BaseballTradeValues.com, and I popped in Tariq Skubal, and I found out that their equation gives him a value of 48.5 points. Makes a lot of sense. That's a very valuable player. He is under control through 2027. He is a young player. He is a player that's coming into his own. There is so much there with Tariq Skubal that it makes sense that they view him as an extraordinarily valuable player. So I got to come up with 48 and a half points, essentially, in Orioles prospects in order to make it work. So I know I need some big fish, but I don't want to go with the biggest fish. I don't want to throw in Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, or Gunnar Henderson, right? I don't want any of those three involved in a trade for Tariq Skubal. Right. So I throw in the guys that I think are the next guys, Jordan Westberg and Kobe Mayo. As it turns out, they think Kobe Mayo is even more valuable than Jordan Westberg. They've got Mayo at 17.3 points. They've got Westberg at 15.8. So I'm on my way to being able to get there. I toss in Kyle Stowers, and then I toss in Connor Norby. And the group of Mayo, Westberg, Stowers, and Norby gets me to 48.4 points, almost identical, a, literally a tenth of a point off of Tariq Skubal. Okay. And I say to myself... I don't want to give up these players, but suddenly we're looking around in the middle infield and thinking the Orioles are fairly deep there. Jackson Holiday being added into the mix. Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson, of course, might be a third baseman, but could be a second baseman. Um, there might be an argument for Ramon Urias and, and Jorge Mateo being a part of the equation moving forward when we thought they were nothing other than placeholders. Yep. Yep. Cesar Prieto is a player that's that's thought of within this system. Suddenly I'm pretty deep. I could I could sacrifice one. Same thing with the outfield. Kyle Stowers I know is thought of, but think about everything that's coming behind that with Colton Kowser and Heston mm -hmm. Kerstad and you know, yeah, even, where's there going to be room for all these guys? All of these guys. And Connor Norby is a you know kind of thought of prospect, not all that thought of. Kobe Mayo is the one that would be the hardest to part ways with in all that group because Kobe Mayo as a hitter looks like he could be special. Like he looks like he might have a bat that's a little bit different than everybody else's bat. So that's the one, that's the pain to me in doing this deal is giving up Kobe Mayo. But as I look at that group of four, I say to myself, I'm not, I'm not seriously denting 
any particular area. And I'm getting a player that appears to be on the rise as one of the better left-handed pitchers in all of baseball. I'm willing to make that deal. What say you, Stan the Fan Charles? That, to me, on the surface, that's a little much for me to give up for Tarek Skubal. And don't get me wrong, I like Skubal. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good pitcher. I have him on my fantasy team. Which, but again, the, means we can't. We just, we're going to have to stay away. Well, it would ruin him. But yes. uh, I could, I could, I'll let you know now, if we acquire him, I will not pick him. I'll drop Thank him you. for next Thank year. Thank you for being a team player. Okay. Is that Stan? calculated into the trade is value? Is Stan the fans. Uh, um, uh, so, so for me, I wouldn't do that trade. Griffin, what about you? Would you give up that group of four for Scooble? Yeah, I think I would. Okay. I think I would. Scooble right. has a chance. I, especially been, get, coming to Baltimore, Scooble has a chance to become I, really, I, really I posted special. the screen cap on Twitter. And I got a very mixed response, almost dead 50-50 of people who wouldn't. I get it. It's a lot. people have lo- begun to fall in exactly. love with all these exactly future right. names. But I purposely. But you make a good point about where is there room for all these Correct. guys. That, and I'm not, I, I don't want it to be Henderson. Yeah. But Westberg, I, you know, yeah. I, I think I could, I could live. There's also Joey Ortiz, another name we could bring up, is mm-hmm. all of the middle infield prospects that are coming up. You said, well, let me throw a different name at you. Yeah. And let me see if that name would work. And the name that you threw at me was Brady Singer of the Kansas City Royals. Why? Well, I had him last year. God, Stan, we can't. We have uh, to stay away. I had Corbin Burns on my team last year, so let's trade for him, too. Corbin Burns is not the guy Milwaukee's uh, looking to trade right now. I think that's going to work. Um, Tarek Skubal, I mean, Brady Singer to me has a – I think he's gotten in a funk with the Kansas City Royals, but look at his last five or six games. He's consistently now striking out in double figures. Uh, for uh, for the season, yeah. uh, Brady Singer, 3.51 ERA, 1.13 whip, and in 84 innings pitched, he's had 91 strikeouts. Okay. A lot to like about Brady Singer. Yeah. If you go through his last like five games, it, they, they've really been – there's been an uptick. In his strikeouts. In July, he has made five starts. Right. In July, he's pitching to a 2.05 ERA. Right. A 1.1 whip. So the whip's still about the right. same thing. Uh, 42 strikeouts and 30 innings. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was even a little more. Uh, than the that. last two starts have been yeah. uh, 22 strikeouts. One over of the his last big problems Brady Singer has, believe it or not, and uh, and it's a rarity. He cannot field his position well. It's interesting. He he, he makes a lot of throwing errors rushing to you know get a bunted mm-hmm. ball and trying to get uh, outs uh so he's a little tricky that way but i really like him a lot so they so, now two things to point out one we don't have anything that suggests the royals are trying to trade brady singer so we don't have like what we had with scooble which is why we brought it up but just right just perhaps yep um baseballtradevalues.com has him at 18.4 points that's what they value him as and what was scooble's value it was 48 they have scooble that much more 48. valuable 48.5 for scooble 18.4 for singer so so you could come up so with singer I'm by up putting like together kobe mayo well kobe mayo alone would basically do it kobe right. mayo they have at 17.3 right. essentially kobe mayo and toss in you know 
uh, Anthony Servideo and you could right. you could get it done right. something like that. Um, they believe that Mayo, so you could probably do it because Mayo is a Mayo is one of the guys that you start to look at and you say this guy might be a although geez. he might be a stud, but uh, but Brady Singer might be a stud for you as well. I, I hear you. I'm I'm willing, interesting. I'm willing to listen. They would have you could do a deal, Norby, Norby and Stowers. Combine, yeah, would I like that better? Would equal singer would equal essentially, singer. yeah. Um, Norby Vavra and Hudson Haskin might equal singer, something like that. They would make that work, yeah. Let me throw one other report that Ken Rosenthal made, okay, out to you. Ken Rosenthal says the Astros would be willing to deal Jose or Keedy. I like him. The story that he put up on the athletic, I'm just gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to just read Ken Rosenthal's keep story. Keep in mind, Elias was the farm, you know, uh, minor league uh, development director for the Houston Astros, Correct. who knows, still knows their system very well. Uh, if the Astros fulfill their quest to trade one of their starting pitchers, they will not be getting prospects in return. No, the Astros would justify the move to its clubhouse by acquiring major league help, according to sources with knowledge of the team's thinking. Ideally, that player would be a catcher or a center fielder under t- club control Mullins. beyond this season. Now, I'll skip to get to that point. Who might that player be? Good question. The trade market is not deep in catchers or center fielders. The obvious potential targets, Oriole center fielder Cedric Mullins, Pirates center fielder Brian Reynolds, Athletics catcher Sean Murphy do not play for teams hell-bent on making the playoffs. I'm... Uh, Hellbent, I'm okay with the wording of that. So the motivation for those clubs to meet the Astros' price for an established starter would not be especially strong. The Orioles are a possible exception. As a surprise wildcard contender, would they move three additional years of club control from Mullins for three of right-hander Jose Urquidy if the Astros were also willing to include center fielder Jose Siri and prospects in a larger deal? Is is uh, Urquidy under control for three years? It's what Ken That's Rosenthal what says. says. I will double check that right now. I, I'm not that interested in Siri. I wonder if they would make the deal for Mullins and say a pros like Norby, okay, mm-hmm. for Ur- Urquidy and Chaz McCormick. That's uh, what. By I'd, the way, indeed, uh, Urquidy is not a free agent, and he's arbitration eligible for the next three seasons. Okay. Yep. So there is that's the same thing that Mullins, Mullins is. is. Yeah. Exactly right. So yeah, yeah, I would give up Mullins. I would give up Mullins and uh, and one of those, either, either probably Norby, to try and get McCormick out of the deal coming back rather than Siri. Would you? I've heard I've heard some sketchy stuff about Siri's character. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I don't and, know. And, I don't know anything about that, so yeah. I don't want to. Speak out of turn. Look, Urquidy is extraordinarily appealing. There's no getting around that. Yeah, he's it's a really solid pitcher. Really good pitcher to kind of fortify your rotation for years to come. And the question is, do you think you might be selling high on Cedric Mullins? Is it possible that that this, what we've seen this season, is really what Cedric Mullins is, which is still a, a good ball player. A hundred percent. I don't want to take anything away from that. That's a guy that you can put in your lineup every day and feel good about, but is not a particularly high-level type of player. Are you convinced that this is what Cedric Mullins is, and it's best to sell high coming off what was an extraordinary season, there still being people that might believe that he could be that guy? 
I, that's that's kind of my belief in Cedric Mullins that that the thirty thirty season we're never going to see that again. I I don't I I thought it was and I don't by the way I think it's unfair to judge him by that standard too right like correct thirty thirty is is ridiculous could he be a twenty 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 you know twenty five twenty five type of guy something right. like that I don't know I always thought thirty thirty was was absurd right yeah. like it was just almost ridiculous that he ever had that type of season but I just to me this does feel like more of what Cedric Mullins is which again can be in the lineup every day. Is his arm is not terribly strong, although he made a hell of a throw the other night. Yeah, uh, back to first base, not a very strong arm, but he covers a lot of ground. You're you're okay with him being your center fielder until you have a better option. Yeah, um, but if he can land you a, a top of the rotation type of pitcher, it's it's interesting that they deem center field. Uh, do we have the guest? Yeah, going? we're going to join by Mike Sando in one second. Go okay. ahead, you can finish your just thought, real quick. We'll- Jake Myers was going to be their center fielder of the future. Mm-hmm. He had shoulder surgery. Um, he, he tore his labrum in his throwing arm, I think. He's back now, but he's hitting 220, and they probably feel that he's not going to be fully himself this year. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, look, we'll see. It's one that Ken Rosenthal put out there. We'll continue yep. to monitor. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the athletic, that's, of course, where you can read that report from Ken Rosenthal about Jose Arquiti and Cedric Mullins. And this week, it's where you found another story that got this city on fire. And frankly, the entire national media on fire as well. Um, we've always uh, enjoyed our conversations with our next guest. Of course, he's done quarterback tiers for years. I also love when he does the Cook Index. There's a lot of his analysis that I like at The Athletic. He is veteran NFL writer Mike Sando, and he's with us here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan Charles is here. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us, and thank you for giving us as much content as you gave us this week on this program. Absolutely. Yeah, some of it not uh, by design. I mean, I, I felt like what they took uh, was said about Lamar Jackson. I mean, they took the most inflammatory angle to promote it, but I guess it, it did stir it up. You know, I, I, I feel bad that, uh, you know, it's construed that people are down on Lamar because they're not. He actually rose in the years this year compared to last but we can discuss all of that you fire away you ask the questions what's on your mind so obviously as you know that this is the one (laughs) the one quote is the one that everybody's running with and everybody's losing their minds about part of a quote i mean it's not even the whole quote it's the worst looking part of it but anyway the the issue i think that people have with it is everybody has a right to their opinion that's the way that it goes um the issue is that what this defensive coordinator said hey if he's got to throw they can't win the game well you know did you did you see the colts game last year like we have we have an extraordinary amount of evidence that that's not true what do you make of this continuing to linger for some within the game this this feeling that they have about lamar jackson despite the fact that we do have evidence to the con- not to say Lamar Jackson's perfect, and we can talk about his flaws. There's no problem with that. But that some of these specific things, the idea that he can't throw or they can't come from behind, no matter how much evidence we have that that's not true, that it continues to linger. That that even people within football continue to believe it. It's... Oh yeah, no, they they think it's true. I mean, I think you could find uh, you can go through and find games where lots of quarterbacks have had a big comeback, right? I mean, and you wouldn't necessarily say that they're, they expertly handle peer-passing situations. I mean, I, I don't think anyone in the league thinks that Lamar Jackson expertly handles peer-pass situations, which is one of the criteria for Tier 1. The debate is, should he be in Tier 1 anyway? Because he's obviously so special um, right. as a player overall. And so what was being said by the person, the defense quarter, was like, this is an amazing player, but to meet the criteria of Tier 1, he does need to be a better passer than he is, whether he beat the Colts or not. 
And I, until he is, I don't care if he wins 12 MVPs. I'm not putting him in that category with Rodgers and Mahomes and those other guys that are up there that they think are much better passers. Everyone in the league thinks the guys in Tier 1 are much better passers than Lamar Jackson. So I guess It's just yeah. whether he's so good in other areas that he should be in Tier 1 anyway. I, and th- That's that, the debate. Do we redefine Tier 1? And Mike, that really does feel like what this continues to be, that there's this consistent like unwillingness to reconsider what a quarterback is. And and that's existed right. here. That's existed, you know, throughout the idea that somehow it's a detriment to Lamar Jackson that he is a gifted runner, that he is one of one. He's the greatest running quarterback of all time. That somehow limits him as if you know getting eight yards via the pass or eight yards via the run isn't the exact same eight yards. It's interesting to me that we're still dealing with that. That there's this continued question about whether or not somehow well, it's a bad yeah, people. Thing. People, people in the league think that when you get against the better teams and they have a great game plan for you to take away uh, the run component or to, if you take strip away the ability to have play action because uh, of the nature of the game, that it doesn't look as good for him vis-a-vis the playoffs, right? We've seen that in some of the playoff games where it's been hard. Now, I believe that while I believe Josh Allen is a better passer than Lamar Jackson, he's been up and down. I think it really helped him in the playoffs that, he had nine touchdowns or whatever and no interceptions and looked like he was every bit Pat Mahomes was equal on that stage. I think that propelled him into tier one. And I think when Lamar Jackson has that, which certainly, you know, he's going to, if you're correct, that he's actually a really good passer, then he will have those moments and, and it'll be in the face of the people in the league who don't think that uh, he'll be able to do that consistently. Mike, Mike, how many years have you done the quarterback tiers now? This is nine years, the last nine years of my 25 years covering the league. Do you have to be a tier one quarterback in order to win a Super Bowl? Mm, mm. Last year's no, wasn't, no, right? Yeah. No. And, and what, what, overall t- what overall tier is Lamar in your estimation or the, yeah, the consensus the of the I think he's yeah. a high tier two. I think he's a high tier two. So in the, in the league – in the league, he came in tenth overall. Um, okay, and so the, the guys in tier one that were ahead of him were Rodgers, uh, Mahomes, Brady, uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Burrow, uh, Matt Stafford was seven. I'm doing mm-hmm. this off the top of my head. Uh, so Stafford, Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson, then Russell Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So he's, he's uh, in with other Deshaun way around. Watson, yeah. Wil- Wilson eight, then Watson yeah. nine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he. So really, if ESPN had pulled out of my story. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson seem similarly as high tier two quarterbacks that you can win with. Like we wouldn't even be on the phone right now. Yeah, you know well, that's not true. That's we put you, we put you on every year that you've <laughs> done this. People, that's not but true. the thing is, people respect Lamar Jackson, but they do believe that to get into tier one, that he needs to be better at passing the football because the game gets reduced to that in critical moments, and the eight yards rushing aren't always available or going to do it for you when you got to move in those situations, whether or not he's had a couple games where that was the case. They want to see uh, a better, more consistently accurate passing game led by him. And we can say they're wrong, or that shouldn't be what it is, but that's all that it is. No one is trashing Lamar Jackson. I mean, anyone in the top two tiers, you want as your quarterback. They're, those are the guys who are not being replaced. You get into tier three, you're into Garoppolo, Tannehill, Cousins. You could sign them, or you could try to replace them, right? He's in, he's in the top... Uh, you know, top ten of the league. I mean, I think that's good. Yeah, I'm just curious, Mike. Does any did any of the people you talked to for this did they say that he's sort of a, 
a prisoner of an offense, and I'm not saying this, but of Greg yeah, Roman's yeah. Greg Roman's offense uh, contributes yeah. to his problems. Yes, it's a chicken or egg thing. Do they play that way because they need to, because the quarterback uh, limits them, or no? Are they just all in on playing this way because he's such a special runner, and then the rest of the passing game doesn't evolve as the way it should? I'll give you one thing. I didn't. I didn't go into this level of detail in the piece, but I did talk to one coach who's you know a good offensive coach. And he said, uh, he goes, you know, when Lamar Jackson was coming out, he said, one of the things I look for is kind of the looseness of their arm. And what we mean by that is, like, what angles you can throw from, mm-hmm. just how natural you look throwing the ball. And he thought Lamar was really good in that realm. You know, this is someone who's been with good quarterbacks and knows. He thought Lamar had good dropback passability based off of that. And so, yet, he, obviously, we would say he was an even more dynamic runner, right? I yeah. mean, so I do, I do believe there is definitely something to this to where um, somehow maybe that uh, migration needs to be made, right? Because um, he's not going to be able to run like that. Uh, like I, don't, I don't fault them for featuring a superpower, right? I mean, if they had come mm-hmm. in and tried to put him in a different offense, um, he could have failed, right, early. He could have. I mean, it, it, he needed to play this way, but I wonder as he gets more mature, he seems like a guy who works at it, right? I mean, he seems to like have all of the qualities and potential to uh, to do that. So I think that's a dilemma for the organization, really. I, I really do think it is because they could get stuck a little bit. With this style of play, I think you usually do get stuck. Um, and we saw that a little bit with the 49ers. They, they had that style of play uh, with really good defense and special teams, which is a huge part. You know, I did a thing looking at uh, the 55 quarterbacks with at least 30 starts the last 10 years. Well, Lamar Jackson's defense and special teams are number one out of the 55, okay? That's a huge component of being able to play a running-style offense. Uh, And if that part falls off and leaves them, then I think there will be more impetus to need to uh, migrate to more of a passing game. And to the Ravens' credit, they're one of those teams that's been able to be good on defense and special teams even when they pay their quarterback. So they may be able to keep doing what they're doing, it's just been hard for other teams to do that, you know, and uh, get get where they want to go. Mike Sando is with us from The Athletic. Obviously, quarterback tears out this week. Mike, one of the other quotes that was given by an offensive coach sort of reflects the, the, the thing to me that I think was the biggest area of criticism for Lamar a year ago, which was how he struggled against the Blitz. And we saw it for those four games, starting with the national TV game against Miami and until he got hurt, where he looked like a yeah. mess for those four games. And that's a real problem. Yeah. I don't know how to mitigate that with how depleted the Ravens yeah. were. They didn't have any of their running backs. They didn't have, yeah. you know, their, and it, their offensive line was in shambles. I don't know how to measure those things, but to me, that yeah. seems like the fairest criticism of Lamar Jackson, what we saw a year ago. I think was, it is. Yeah. I think it is, but but I don't like latching on to one, like, I don't want to latch on to the one comeback against the Colts any more than a tough skid of games, because quarterbacks have tough skids of games. Matthew Stafford was absolutely on fire, and they went a little bit too much towards the drop-back pass game, and it blew up on him. Remember late last year? Sure. Yeah. He, he, they had to rein it in a little bit, so... That can happen to quarterbacks. I, I think Lamar is largely overanalyzed, right? Sure. Um, because he is so because he's so different, and because people don't know how to he breaks the mold, right? He breaks the template. Like like we're like I've had discussions with. I was talking to a GM yesterday. We were debating like should tier one definition like this GM would have Lamar in tier one. He got eight tier one votes, you know. Because there's some people who said I don't care 
you can pick nits about the passing. I don't care. The, the whole thing runs through him, right? That's a one. If you don't game plan for this guy, you're going to get ruined. You know, he's going to wreck the game. All those things are true. I still feel like, you know, the, the really top quarterbacks need to be the great passers too and better than he's been. I do believe that, but I'm open-minded. I mean, I don't have all the answers. That's just where I'm at right now. I think it's a fascinating debate and he's special enough to, to challenge the, you know, to, to challenge what is true for everybody else, right? We know it's true for everybody else. Is it true for him? Mike, I'm, I'm a guy when I start to uh, sort of digest what a football season is going to be like. I like to look for a coach that matches with the quarterback. Do, what, what, where did uh, Jalen Hurts come in uh, in Philadelphia? Because oh, yeah. I see Nick Sirianni, Sirianni yeah. and him. I think that's a real good match. Unbelievable job by them because they made this transition after six games. Through six games, they were the past heaviest team in the league. Right. And then they decided, you know what, our quarterback <laughs> – that's not best for him right now, right? Young quarterback. He's a, a good runner. Um, and and so they totally shifted their offense. I think they're going to – he's less dynamic than Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, yeah. he, he has some similarities, but he's not – he's going to go for 17 yards, not 70 probably, right? Right. So they're going to they're gonna get to the fork in the road sooner where they're probably going to have to decide, hey, we've got this good team, and, uh, you know, but how far can we go with this style of play? Right. Right. Uh, and that's a, that, that's a hard dilemma because because Jalen Hurts is a is a great leader. He's a great worker. He's yep. uh, he's exactly what you want in your building. Like he's there's no clause in his contract that he has to. There's no kind of Murray clause for him. Right, 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 right. You know, you know what I mean. He's he's what you want to point to as how you approach the job, how you work at it. But they're so limited in their passing game that you know I think they'll have to decide: do we want to keep doing this? Is he dynamic enough? Or do we need to be in the market next year? And I think that's why they have some picks next year, right? So they can yeah. decide, do they need to do this? Well, it'll be a hard decision because I know the owner you know, loves well, – why wouldn't you love Jalen Hurts? It's a, it's a great I mean, point. And by the way, it's, you do. It's, it's, he, he was tied for 20th, 20th in the quarterback tiers. Yeah, um, yeah with Carson Wentz. <laughs> wow, that's ironic, isn't it? Boy, that's one's ironic. Going, one of them's going down. One's yeah. going down, and the other's going up. Yeah, that's really yeah. ironic. Well, the Eagles acquired AJ Brown. I mean, yeah, and, and, and you know, it's so funny you bring that up, saying because that was what I wanted to wrap with you with Mike is is but the Ravens are putting out. I, look, I cover the Ravens, and this is the thinnest, least experienced group I've ever seen of wide receivers. And again, I cover the Baltimore Ravens that have never yeah. prior or prioritized wide receiver. In your conversations with those around the league, much like Sam brought up the Greg Roman thing, did that come up with anyone? Like how little the Ravens have done at why? I get it. Mark Andrews is exceptional. Yeah, Hollywood likes, Brown, they you know like they, they tried. They, they, here's what people see it. Here's what people see it as. Uh, number one, receivers are not going to be lining up to go there. They're yeah. going to want to get out of there in that offense. Yeah. And number two, uh, with the type of offense you're running, which does feature Lamar Jackson's um, running ability. The, the style of offense is going to favor the throwing to the tight ends. If you think of the 49er teams, they had Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker. That's the tight Now, they did get Randy Moss at the end of his career, and they had Bolden. They, they, they filled in some guys, but they were a tight end-driven team too. Middle of the field, right, that sort of thing. And I think that's just what the offense has been set up to do. And, and we can have that debate. Is that is that limiting Lamar, or do they do that because Lamar has limits, right? I mean, 
I don't think we can prove that in a court of law. <laughs> no, no, not likely. And I wouldn't be the one to do it for sure. I would stumble all over myself in the attempt. If we got the fun. January yeah. 6th committee and they subpoenaed you, would you tell us who said that about Lamar? Uh, no, no. I, uh, but I can tell you this, you know, when you do stories like this, you're so into it. Like, I had no idea that was going to be pulled out. It's funny. Like, I, we did a big story in Urban Meyer uh, a, a few months ago. In there, a revelation that he uh, didn't know who Aaron Donald and uh, Devo Samuel. Right, but we right. Had, we were we were so deep into the story that <laughs> you know it had to be become normalized in our mind, and so when it ran, that's all anyone was talking about. We're like, oh, yeah, who's ninety nine? Uh, yeah. I guess that's good. <laughs> people were going nuts about it. You know, you like the publicity, but but I but I really don't try to be sensational. Like if you read the whole item on Lamar Jackson, that's two three paragraphs in. There's positive stuff in there. He moved up. That's how I was seeing it, but obviously, you know, I should know better. Twenty-five, thirty. I've got thirty years in this business. I should know by now that, you know, they're going to take out the thing that they can, and it's a good discussion. But I think there's a, I think there's context to what was written that was much better than that one line that everyone's talking about. Who said it? You know, all of that. I mean, I had no thought of that going in. QB tiers are up right now at The Athletic, and uh, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, you're insane. I mean, there's just so great, much Great there. job, Mike. At uh, Sando NFL is how you follow him on Twitter. Mike Sando, I know it's been a busy week for you, sir. Thank you for making time yeah. for us, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay. Mike Sando right. from The Athletic joining us here on GCR. And, boy, the world was on fire because of this one defensive coordinator. It was all anybody was talking about this week. And, you know, to his point, right, there is far more there than just the comment from the one defensive coordinator. And, it, it, again, it's not Mike Sando who said it. It was somebody within the game who said it. My issue is the, the context of the quote, which is, again, it's irrelevant what Lamar Jackson does. I've decided what he is, so that's the way that it goes. And that's the, that, to me, is the problematic part of it. That's utterly and completely unfair. If Lamar Jackson is a league MVP 12 times and you don't get it, it's because you don't understand how football works. You have decided that every quarterback has to look a certain way and do certain things, and if you do something else, that's a problem. And it sure as F ain't a problem. I know that because we've watched it for the last four years. It ain't a problem that Lamar Jackson runs. You convinced yourself, well, he's going to get hurt doing it. No, the data is overwhelming. You're not at more risk getting hurt as a running quarterback than you are as a I thought it was back back when they first got him and started using him. I, and I asked Greg Roman that at a press conference, and he kind of dissuaded me of the notion. And I've since found the, there that is, the, guys, the, the guys that are really in jeopardy. Uh, the guys hanging the guys back that, in the pocket yeah. that don't see a hit coming, that yeah. all of a sudden they're like, that Joe Theismann's life is altered yeah. because you're taking a hit that you have no ability to protect yourself from, that you are putting yourself at serious risk of major injury, whereas when Lamar Jackson's downfield and he has vision of what's coming and it ain't guys catching him from behind, we know that much because that doesn't happen. It's somebody in front of him. He has the ability to elude that player and not take on that content uh, contact. So that's the, to me, that's the issue with the quote. The issue with the quote is essentially you're just saying, come hell or high water, this is not what a quarterback is. And right. that's absurd Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. He's just a quarterback that happens to run the ball, yeah. and he's really good at it. Really, really good. By uh, the way, uh, this off of ESPN right now. Yes, Charles Barkley is backed away 
from the live. I'm very you're staying with the TNT. I'm very thankful. with the TNT. It was very dis. I'm still disappointed about some of the things that he said. Yeah. Over the and I'm not. It's not going to make me not like Charles Barkley because I still he's, like Charles. He's Barkley. garnered such favor over the years. But this is a good decision for it's him. It's an extraordinarily good and it's decision. Ho- it's hard because he loves a, golf, and there's a he lot loves of money being around golf, and there's a lot yes. of money. I, I certainly the one thing and I would. What would say, Ernie Johnson do? I would like to hope. I would like to hope. Like at some point, your soul should have. A, I get it. If a drug dealer offered you a certain amount of money. Would you just say, well, hell, it's a lot of money? He's like, okay, well, that guy, what that guy's doing is illegal. Wait a minute, am I carrying drugs yeah, or I mean, am yes. I just bringing <laughs> are you, him as McDonald's are you just every talking day? About, see, now you're doing the bit. Now you're doing the bit. All right, uh, our number two of today's show has also been brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The summer seasonal menu is available at Glory Days Grill. Includes the opener, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, the lobster roll with the grilled corn, the lobster and crab fries the south carolina barbecue chicken mm. you of course live in north carolina where they don't know how to barbecue things in south carolina they know how to barbecue something then there's the uh, cracker jack sunday with the waffle ice cream and cracker jacks all available right mm. now mm-hmm. your neighborhood glory days grill we're right down the street and after reading that read i might have to duck out of here Get the Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com, if you want to put your order in that way. Come back in to wrap it up for a Friday edition of the show. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org. Hey, O's fans, get to Oriole Park early on Friday, August 5th at 7.05 when the first 20,000 fans 15 and over will receive a Cedric Mullins 30-30 Club bobblehead presented by Masson. Celebrate Cedric Mullins' historic 2021 season when he became the first player in Orioles history to join the 30-30 Club with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Tickets start as low as $15. What better way to cheer on the Silver Slugger than at the ballpark that forever changed baseball? Buy tickets at orioles.com tickets. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the fan here. Welcome.
welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle, take it away boys. Back in here in GCR, Stan and I and Griffin, we've been trying to figure out the math on why it is the Orioles haven't announced a starting pitcher for this weekend, which, again, the, the, the math of it, because they didn't have a day off this week, it would line up that it would be Dean Kramer's turn because he went last Sunday. So why wouldn't they have announced that Dean Kramer is the starter for tonight? So as we try to go through the, the many possibilities of what this is, it is worth pointing out that last Sunday it was Kyle Bradish who started at Norfolk. And so if you want to, you're going to need a pitcher on Monday. That's when Tyler Wells' turn would come up again, would be, um, yeah, this coming, they play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against Texas, right? Yes. Not, yes. Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday. So, Off day next Thursday, I believe. So they would need a pitcher for Monday night in Texas. So if what they're saying is, hey, we'd like to keep Bradish on the same schedule, if he's gonna, if he's essentially gonna be Tyler Wells' fill-in in the rotation, then they could have him go tonight instead of waiting an extra few days and just bump everybody else back a day. Now, why you'd rather have, you know, Bradish start the night instead of Kramer on normal? Like, why, does, why it's more important for Bradish to have normal rest than Kramer? I don't know. Does Bo Solcer or the other guy they brought up? Do they have to stay up any length of time? I, don't I remember can't remember the if there's a three-day yeah, rule. I think there. It might be more about bringing somebody back, back up, up that you right. sent down. Yeah. Um, and did so. So yeah, Vespi was who they sent down. Right. So would the rule be that they can't bring Vespi back up for another, unless there's an injury? Unless there's, unless an, there's injury. an injury, I don't think you can bring him back up for another. Few but days. they don't have to IL either Bo Solcer or I forget who Logan, I know. It's, Logan Gillespie. Thank you, Logan yes. Gillespie. Yeah. That's exactly who it was. Yeah. Um, so that it, you know, it's plausible that the it's also plausible that they just haven't announced it yet, and at some point today they're going to announce Dean you know, Kramer. Dean Kramer. Or, but typically, or, when they're waiting to announce a starter, it's because you can't and you can't make it official until that player is on the roster. And if it's going to be Bradish, he's not on the roster, so you can't officially announce that it's Bradish until he's here. And it could also be Austin Voth because you're not looking for tremendous length out of him. It was Monday, correct, that we figured I out that Voth so, was yeah. head pitched? Yes, yeah. So, Monday. yeah, that would be plausible. 
But again, the, the question would be why bump Kramer back a day to pitch Voth again? Like what? Yeah. I, I guess the answer could be because you're trying to fudge the innings for the year. You're yeah. trying to move everybody but around. Kramer shouldn't be in any danger right now about innings. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, all right. Well, that, look, somebody's going to pitch. That's my guess, is that they're not going to go without a pitcher for the course and, of the weekend. And for Cincinnati. Oriole fans out there who plan to watch the game on Masson, the game starts at all, all the night yeah. games there are at 640. Yep. So don't turn it on at 710. I am, I am in favor, by the way, Stan. I am in favor of 640 games. I am, I'm coming around to it. I am. It was something that I got to experience when I was in Arizona. Uh-huh. Now, obviously, you know, it's compounded by the fact that it's a West Coast thing, and so it's 940 on the East Coast. Right. But the way that the schedule works for how long you really need to get to the ballpark after, even if you have a normal 9-to-5 job, yeah. how long you really need, grab a bite to eat, something like that, that's almost perfect timing. Yeah. 640 is almost perfect timing for when games, to me, should start. So I'm a big fan of the 640 yep. starts um, and would encourage the Orioles to do it. Anything we didn't get to today that you wanted, that you had on your mind that you wanted to? No. I would have gotten to it on one more thing. But That's true. You were go. out at practice. I, yeah. had to, I didn't end up at practice. Oh, I ended up at the Jackson Holiday Oh, you press the press conference. conference. That's yeah. right. You went to the Jackson Holiday press conference. I got a chance to talk to Matt Holiday, yep. as I mentioned earlier, about – uh, his dismal season with the Yankees. Yeah, still, you haven't forgiven him for it. <laughs> no, nah, I love. I always loved Matt Holiday. Never had a hell of a player. I I didn't get him the year he p- played for Oakland. But when you think of his careers with Colorado but and St. Louis, we got a chuckle out of it. In what other world? does the agent get to be part of the player introductory press conference? Like in what other I, world? I remember I remember that after the Orioles signed Chris Davis, Scott Boris was more or less made it a demand that he be up on the podium <laughs> and Buck and Dan Duquette put their foot down Said, We're not. and there was no Scott Boris up there. Very interesting. Yeah. I, look, for Scott Boris, it's about – prestige it's about showing his power it's about i want to get more players and so if they see me up doing press conferences then i'll get more attention for it you so. know he he was the agent for matt holiday yeah and he was also the agent for the big guy that came in ben mcdonald came in during the after the presser hugged his hey I, how you doing it, old man you really you really do and this is not a joke when when we've done this over the years and tried to get in touch with you know, guys that might be drafted by the Orioles. I am actually far more surprised when it's not a Scott Boris client. Like I right. almost right. And, and and legitimately sometimes I convince myself that someone is a Boris client that isn't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, well, Manny, Manny's with Boris, right? Like, no, actually, he's not. Really? Yeah. You sure? You sort of say, well, why wouldn't? Right. He be? He's a hell of a player. <laughs> why wouldn't he be a Boris client? It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Well, the reason he came up yesterday was because we we found out yesterday. That he represents Tariq School, so that was yeah. like the Orioles connection. Oh, yeah. yeah, so that's so why we're we trying to make trade. We're trying to make a trade. Maybe make, that's why they let him sit on the exactly stage. right to try to earn some favor as they pull this off. Aye, aye, aye. All right, uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available right now at uh, your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. It's our salute to coaches issue of Pressbox. John Harbaugh's on the cover as we celebrate 15 years. As a head coach in the NFL, which is still quite the rarity, a lot of other coaches from the area who have either recently surpassed or who are approaching milestones 
Uh, coaches like Kenny Amatololo from Navy, Sasha Sarovsky, Missy Maharg from Maryland, Pete Karinji from UMBC, Pat Clatchy from Mount St. Joe, Kendall Peace from Poly, as well as two recently retired coaches, Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins, Lou Eckerell from Calvert Hall, all recognized in this issue. And it is the players, the the young people, and I guess in John Harbaugh's case, they're not so young, um, but those that, that they had the biggest impact on that are telling the stories and explaining why these coaches have stood the test of time. It's a very special issue. I encourage you to go get it right now, the print issue of PressBox. You can also read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, so yesterday the Orioles got their ninth shutout of the season, which is uh, kind of went, went a little overshadowed uh, for obvious reasons, but the uh, a uh, big deal also because it was against the Rays, a team they lost to 18 times last season. God. And they are now 8-8 eight and eight, uh, against the Rays this season. So much more competitive ball club. Uh, it's fun to watch. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there. That The nine shutouts this season are the most shutouts the Orioles have had in a season since... Anyone know? How about 1974? No. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually uh, it's kind of common. Uh, 2017, they had 10 uh, shutouts. Why were, they, why were they not better? Why yeah. were they not better? Um, so yeah, they had ten shutouts in 2017. Uh, the most shutouts the Orioles have had in the last 15 seasons was 13 in 2014. So that uh, feels very much in grasp this season, the way that they've been pitching. That's so absurd that they have nine shutouts this season. Yeah, I, and I, I don't remember there being that many shutouts. Yeah, it was. This they had five last year, five in 2019. Um, let's see. I, I so two months it. to go, they should have. They 13 10, to 15 mm-hmm. shutouts. By they had the 10 end. in 2012, uh, and then they had seven. I mean, both you, don't, you don't get the advantage of any more of facing like double A lineups in September because you know you can yeah. only have a couple extra players mm-hmm. on the yeah. roster. But still, yes, I mean at this pace, sure they should be able to squeeze in a couple more. Yeah. Okay, so that brought me to my tidbit question, which is about Orioles pitchers who have thrown shutouts, and I want to know if you know what Orioles pitcher has thrown the most shutouts. And if you can name all of the guys that have thrown at least 10 shutouts How many are there? for the Orioles, there are, I believe, 13. So I'm going to, I think we can all guess that it's probably Jim, Jim Palmer. Palmer, number yeah. one. Yes, he is. Mike Jim Palmer Michi- by a far, far margin. He has 53. Also, Palmer, the last American League pitcher, pitcher to have 10 shutouts in a season in 1975. How about Dave McNally? Dave McNally? Number two with 33 shutouts. You said Messina. I'm going to guess oh, yes. he's Messina on the list. Messina is on. I bet yeah, he yes, might. He is. He is? 15. Yeah, 15 for Messina. Okay. Uh, how about Mike Cuellar? Number three, Mike Cuellar, 30 shutouts for the Orioles. So it's, Stan is, is smart. By the way, I'm going to say a name, and I swear to God, I'm going to lose my mind. Where you, When you hear how Griffin reacted the first time this person's name came up on the show, you, you would be. I'm watching. I'm watching. My eyeballs are on him. How about Milt Pappas? Good guess. He's number four. Milt Pappas. I swear to God, the other day, I don't remember what the, the question was, but young yeah. Carson, Carson Weekly was sitting there, and he said, what about Milt Pappas? And Griffin's response was? Not on my list. No, no, that wasn't your response. Your response who? was, who is Milt Pappas? That's very a old baseball player. Did not have the time to deal with that in that moment. Yeah. First year with the Orioles was 1957. How about uh, Scotty McGregor? Because I missed him the other day. Scotty McGregor is on there, number five. You got the top Mike, five guys. Mike Going Flanagan. Quite in order. Mike Flanagan. Flanagan is number seven, okay. and it's actually 12 that have thrown 10. So problem is, Mike and this is the the point being, we're trying to guess older guys because you just don't. Yeah, you just don't, don't throw it. complete games. Dennis anymore. Martinez. Oh, Dennis Martinez. One. Yeah, good guess. He is no tied for, or yeah, tied for 12th. How yes. about he has ten? How about Steve Stone? Wasn't Steve it? Stone, not long no. enough. Not long Pat enough. Pat Dobson. 
No, Pat Dobson only mm. had seven. Only seven. Okay. Mm, bum. <laughs> uh, Boddicker. Boddicker. Boddicker, yes, 13 for okay. Boddicker. That's a good get, yeah. And how many were we trying to come up with? We, we, we're missing 12. four more guys, okay. it looks four like. Four more guys in Oriole history. Um, they had at least 10. What about um, Scott Erickson? There you go. Also 10 for Scott Erickson, tied with Dennis Martinez. Good get. Counts. Wouldn't be Jimmy Key. He didn't pitch long enough yeah. for the Had a Eagles. hell of a season, though. Yeah. Um, uh, Phoebus. Yeah, there that you was go. another one I missed the other day, right? Yeah. Tom yeah. Phoebus 11. had yeah. more than 10 shutouts. The only, 11 shutouts. I would not have guessed. Other, whatever the, well, I don't remember what the question was that Griffin asked the other day, but it was also about oh, Orioles okay. pitchers, and I missed Tom Phoebus. So. Storm Davis is not one of them. No, it is not. Yeah, I didn't think so. But I, how about Steve Barber? Yeah, there you go. Steve oh, Barber. Good. That's a good call. And I, is that all? Is that all? Of them? You said there were thirteen. Were I, there 13? I changed. There was actually twelve. Oh, well, then we got them all. Look at huh? that. Well done, sir. <laughs> well done. Good work. Good well, work. It took us twenty-five guesses. Hey, man, that counts. That counts. Ben McDonald Ooh. also up there. McDonald had six, and Ross Grimsley had seven. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Very good. All right, uh, Tubular brought to you by um, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Again, that is the place to be. Tomorrow night for the fights. Griffin, did you do the math? Yeah, it's uh, we got a five hundred to one parlay. If you if, so, I, if you pick every single fight, so don't. For, so ten cents would pay fifty bucks. Yep. Put a dollar down on it. That would pay five hundred. That would pay five hundred dollars. What's give me give me all your how many fights? Right, we'll run it down. It's well, 13, how many thirteen, 13 fights? Parlay. All right, so uh, opening up the card. Just, just give me the winners. Just wrist, li, okay. Name Kose, the winner. Kose, Kose, uh, Negu Mirianu. Uh, we're going Kim over Edwards. And then uh, this one, so this is the biggest favorite on the card. He's like minus like 700. It'll probably no, be like so 800 really by tomorrow. So I got him by knockout, and that brings him all the way down to minus 135. Okay. Because he's going to get a knockout. Michael Morales by knockout. Okay. Uh, and then also Drake R. Close, who's a decent favorite. I got him by decision, which gives you just plus 105. Okay. That fight, I mean, that fight's going the distance for sure, and Close isn't losing. So Drake R. Close by decision. Dante Mays, Drew Dober. Uh, Matthew Semmelsberger, his nickname Semi the Jedi. I believe you. And then we're going Magomed Ankalaev. I don't have a prop for this one. He's also a really big favorite, but this fight it's it's kind of it's kind of close. But uh, Magomed should pull out. So okay, pull pull it off uh, at minus six hundred. Uh, Alexander Pantoja, Derek Lewis can't go the, against yeah, him. Yeah, the Black Beast. Yep. Surprised we're getting plus odds. It's it should probably oh be a really close fight. yeah he's he's still at plus odds oh, plus okay. one twelve as we as we speak. Um, but that should be a close fight. It should be a, that would be entertaining. Uh, and then Amanda Nunez straight up, or, or yeah, Amanda Nunez straight up. She's at minus two ninety five. Gets the belt right back. Now. And Brandon Moreno. Okay, and you're saying you bet all those fighters, five hundred to one odds. Yep. You put one dollar down, you can win five hundred bucks. That is correct. What the hell are you doing? What do you have to lose? Just go make that bet tomorrow night. At FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. And if you're mad at Griffin. You lost a dollar. <laughs> the hell what do you mean you got a chance feel alive it's for the fights tomorrow night ufc 277 reserve your spot events at sportssocialmd.com do me a favor tweet that out your parlay all right i will all right just just the winners just tweet out your winners for that parlay here's what's coming up uh, and by the way uh, uh, the FanDuel sportsbook live casino hotel also brings you simply the bets which will return on tuesday now this weekend orioles reds Three games set in Cincinnati. As we know, the Orioles have not announced their starters. We continue to wait for that. The Reds are going with Mike Miner tonight. Tyler, is it Male or Male? I always forget. Malley. 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 Thank you, Malley. Yeah. That is right. Got and, a pronunciation right. And Nick Lodolo on Sunday. Tonight on Masson 2. Tomorrow night on Masson because the Nationals are on Fox. 
and Sunday on Masson 2. As Stan mentioned, tonight, tomorrow night, 6.40, and tom- on Sunday, um, it's a 1.30 game. So that's what you need to know for Orioles-Reds. As we mentioned, the UFC pay-per-view tomorrow night on ESPN+. Plus. But again, why wouldn't you be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel? And Stan never misses WWE SummerSlam, oh, which is this weekend on, on Peacock. You can't miss that at all. That's tomorrow night. Can't wait to see Vince McMahon. I don't think he's going to be there, Stan. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make it out to SummerSlam this I year. I hear they're going to subpoena him for the uh, January There, there might be a few things to be subpoenaing Vince McMahon about. Um, and then also, uh, Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse continues out at USA Lacrosse. Big event in Sparks uh, tomorrow on ESPN2, Sunday on ESPN+. Plus. Um, awesome event for you to get out to uh, at some point this weekend. Anything non-sports-wise that stands yeah, out to you? Yeah, actually quite a bit. Well, just kind of a lot of new stuff coming out. Uh, number one is uh, the rehearsal, Nathan Fielder. New oh, episode yeah, tonight on HBO. Yeah, everybody yeah. loves Nathan Fielder. Uh, let's see. On Paramount Plus, there's a movie called Honor Society that's just coming out. It has uh, Angori Rice, and then she stars alongside... Uh, oh, the kid from... Um, the Stranger the Things The Stranger kid. Things. What's yeah. his name? Uh, it's uh, the one I can't pronounce. I, yeah, I Gaten don't remember the... Gaten it's, it's the kid with the curly yeah, hair. Yeah, the curly hair kid. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love Angori Rice, so I might have to check it out. I'm not sure. Um, but it I know seems kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know who she is. So she I'm was. Uh, she was the you. girl in the Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and oh, Russell okay. Crowe. Right. I love her. Seems lovely. Have you yeah. seen? Have you guys either of you watched the Gray Man yet? No, Not I haven't. Yet. I haven't, and I I want it, to. I it, want to. It's okay. on my list. It is very much on my list. Okay. Sorry. That, don't don't rush. <laughs> oh really? Oh, that's a bummer. Russo brothers swinging a miss. Is that what you're saying? Oh man, that's a bummer. I'm. Quite disappointed by that. Well, maybe I'll move it lower on the list then. Stan, put a couple things in front of that. No, I'd be curious. I I really want to watch The Bear. I need to get started on that. I'm caught up now on what we do in The Shadows, which is wonderful. I want to watch The Bear because everyone has raved Mm. about The Bear. I need to get into that, so that'll be on my list too. Yeah, a couple other other new movies and series coming out on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, a couple new stuff. Check it out on glennclarkradio.com. Netflix has uh, Uncoupled new series with Neil Patrick Harris. Doesn't do a damn thing. Yeah, no. Purple Hearts movie. Classic romantic drama. Okay. Singer falls in love with a soldier. Sure. Check it out. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. All right, Stan the Fan. At Stan the Fan on Twitter, of course, is how they follow you. You'll have power rankings up on Monday at pressboxonline.com. Yep. Anything else I can plug for you, sir? That's just been doing a little bit more writing. Yep. Uh, Orioles it's a fun time to be fun time talking to baseball. Opining. No doubt about yeah. that. All right. Um, tomorrow morning, the bat around, uh, 10 to noon, with Paul and Zach. Stan will be a part of that. And then we'll be back on Monday. And, again, we are also scheduled to be joined by Tim Kirkchin on Monday. And Casey Stern, right, is scheduled Correct. to join us yes. on Monday. Casey He's Stern. getting Casey back in Stern. it. He's got a new podcast with the Believe Network and – um, I always like Casey, and I know he's been through a lot in his personal life, and and I, very, I like very talented guy. I like Casey, I really do like Casey. He of course laughed at me when I suggested that the Orioles should start Ubaldo Jimenez in the one game playoff against the Blue Jays in 2016. Said, "Are you insane? What is wrong with you?" And then when he gave up the home run, Casey Stern did blew up my phone in a way. <laughs> That you don't want to be glue, oh glue my blown up. God, he was all over me. Nice call. <laughs> Way to go. We should start Ubaldo, huh? Um, which yeah, I, I got to tell you, Ubaldo was pitching some great that baseball. Was, that was the there. people forget down in 2016, Ubaldo was their best starter at that point. And uh, the other point, and Kyle Who and did I. they start in that game? They started Chris Tillman. That's and right. the, the point that we made is we kind of like the idea of Chris Tillman being the backup plan. That, right. that I'd rather. 
go to Tillman if Ubaldo doesn't have it early on right. than go to Ubaldo if Chris, you know, like I'd rather go that way. Right. And um, anyway, the moral of the story being, it didn't work out. That's all we know. It didn't work out. Uh, anyway, so yes, that's coming up on Monday. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Costa Sin, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, All-America Lacrosse, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex. Ryan, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.